0: What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey number. Uh, what's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number one hundred and thirty-seven, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I have bees on my head, but don't call me a bee head. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's got Bruce Lee's on his head, but don't call him a Lee head. Now, please excuse me, we got to get our tree, Fred. Frank, how you doing?
1: He was on something the other day. He was Andy, on a
0: show the other Andy schmandy schmackis
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> What was he on? I don't know. I'm trying to remember. But he was on TV the other day or on a live stream or something. And... That's funny. I got so
0: messed up, I wanted to nail that so badly. And I nailed it the second time I did it. But I flubbed the part I do every week. What's up and welcome? The part I do every week is the part I flubbed. And the Andy Milanakis part, I pretty much nailed exactly how I wanted to. What's up, Travis? What's good? Skokes. Frank, did you watch the first Tom. season? Tom. Did you ever watch the first season of Andy Milonakis, like in full?
1: I mean, I'm sure I did. Because I used to go on demand and look for his episodes.
0: I think it would be really funny if one night in the winter, I'm talking like post-holiday, when we're kind of in the muck of things, probably after the Super Bowl. So I'm thinking like late February would probably be the perfect time for this kind of thing, when really the only thing on TV that we care like deeply about is hockey. You know, football's over. Spring training hasn't started yet. Uh, It's pretty much just like hockey at this point. I think we should have like a drinking party centered around the Andy Milanaki show and just run the entire first season and see who could laugh the hardest, the drunkest. I remember like
1: really <laughs> liking it. And I feel like if I rewatch it, I wouldn't like it as much. Why? I don't know. Cause I feel like my humor's changed. Like now I just be dumb.
0: Oh, I just went on, I was on a rabbit hole a couple days ago.
1: Now I just, he's like annoying. I feel like. Oh.
0: I was, I saw the theme song a couple days ago and then I went down a rabbit hole. The theme song is the best part. It is so fucking funny, Frank. I don't know what you're talking about. The episode where the old lady dresses up as a coupon. And she, Andy Milanakis tries to pay for every meal that he orders delivered using her as a coupon.
1: Like, Who
0: wouldn't find that funny? Like, that's funny. You either, Frank, you either th- still think it's funny, or you turned into an asshole.
1: Like that's me. And and I know you didn't turn into an asshole. I don't remember it that well. I only re- I remember that. I remember some of the stuff he did. And there was
0: a. Uh, there was a segment where like he kept going up to random people on the street and telling them something terrible is happening to him. So he'd be like, he'd That's be like, wrong. he'd be like, my girlfriend just broke up with me. Have a nice day. And he'd hand him a balloon. He'd go terminal illness, terminal schmillness. Have a nice day. I kind <laughs> of remember that. Yeah. So funny. So funny. And then the advertisement on why everyone should use a spoon. You could use spoon to help walk your dog. If you stick two spoons on top of each other, you can only tell a little bit. You could throw a spoon at this puppy calendar. It is so funny.
1: So, I mean, I'd be down to watch it again because I remember laughing a lot. We need to
0: watch it. Frank, I know you would, especially I know like if I was in the same room and you got to peel over at me (laughs) every time Andy Milonakis (laughs) did something dumb, I know you wouldn't not laugh. I just know it. I know it. I know it. Um. Frank, we do need to like touch up on one conversation we had to open the show last week, though.
1: Swiss cheese?
0: You talked to me about cheese, and we ended up down, it was Swiss cheese that started it. And then we went down a whole cheese rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I just feel bad that I didn't, without even thinking about it, I left off a top 20 cheese of mine and two top 10 cheeses of mine. Okay. What's your top 20? Brie. I, I do like Brie. I understand where you're coming from via our text message conversation. For those who don't know, Frankie thinks like it's mid, it's fine, it's just kind of bland. It is. That's kind of the point of it. Like it goes well on a charcuterie board if you're eating some grapes or if you have, you know, salami or, you know, one of those types of lunch meats or nuts or chocolate. You just
1: don't eat Brie cheese by itself. No. You eat it no. paired with
0: something. No. Brie cheese is like a fourth line left winger that needs a centerman to drive offense for it. it Or it's like the second guy on the third pair of defense. He's no good with no good partner. But he's an NHL defenseman if he has a really good partner. That is Brie. Now, as Katie points out in the chat, baked Brie with pomegranate seeds on top? Frank, there's nothing – warm Brie is delicious. You cut it open, and it oozes – And it's like, oh, it's almost like the heat brings out a flavor. And then these pomegranate seeds on top with maybe some crackers. Unreal. So I had to get Brie out of the way because I had it on a burger. Loved it. Loved it. I'm starting to think, like, why don't I just make a burger and try every single cheese on top of it and realize that they're all delicious on it? Because I would have never thought to put brie i would have never thought to put cream cheese which is one of the top 10s that we didn't even mention once last week oh yeah I. how do we not mention cream cheese i love cream cheese frank i could smear it all over my face and just lick it off i love cream cheese too how did we forget about it We didn't mention cream cheese once i went back and watched the whole thing and another cheese we left off i'm not sure how you're gonna feel about it um tom says so brie would be the zeitsev of cheese I actually think Zaitsev's Zaitsev's D partner could be Drew Doughty in his prime and he would still stink. Zaitsev is the Gorgonzola of Jesus. <laughs> Zaitsev is Gorgonzola. Freaking rookie Wyatt Kaiser is like, is like cheese. You know, I, I think Wyatt Kaiser can develop into being cheddar or, you know, one of the top ones. Um, <laughs> Saganaki is. Really I love great.
1: Saganaki. Saganaki's
0: unreal, I and mean, we oh, forgot
1: about that. That's you, in my top ten. I you think.
0: gave me kind of a funny look when I put Brie like top twenty. Like, oh, of course, it's top twenty. well oh. how many cheeses are there, Frank? There are so many cheeses. We didn't. Name probably wouldn't awesome. even be in
1: my top twenty.
0: Oh, I would be in my top twenty, but Saganaki would be ahead of it. Now, oh, Frank. Oh my god! How do you feel
1: about goat cheese? No, I'm not a bit the biggest fan of goat cheese. See,
0: I thought I wasn't. And then Katie slapped a cylinder of it on a charcuterie board one time. <laughs> and if you if you put goat cheese on a cracker, it has it has cream cheese properties. So I honestly think you need to give goat cheese another try if you like cream cheese as much as you say you do. Next time we're all together, we're going to lead the way and have a charcuterie board with all different kinds of cheese. We need
1: to have a cheese day.
0: Yeah. And then my dad, who happened to be watching the show, I don't know if he's watching right now, but he was watching. We were talking about cheese. He brought up the difference between like deli provolone and imported provolone. And I think both deserve, there's the pla- There's a time and a place for both. You go to Subway, give me that fake deli made-in-a-lab provolone cheese i love it it's delicious you're shredding some for your pasta give me that imported shit and you can put it on top of the grinder and oh foster points out there's over 1800 types of cheese that is awesome
1: that is did awesome try, did you try whatever that nasty ass cheese tom was saying last week that like Lindburger cheese no i haven't tried it yet but i would he uh i would Tom says goat and cheese do not belong in the same sentence. See, don't
0: don't think of the animal goat. Think of greatest of all time type of goat because I think goat cheese is in that conversation for me. I, I could probably it might make my Mount Rushmore and that's a new development. Wouldn't have said that a year ago, but like when I think of Tom Brady, goat cheese is not far behind. I'm really that's, I mean that's it. That's crazy. It's delicious, Frank. You're a cream cheese guy. You got to give goat cheese a chance.
1: I'm I'll give it you. another try.
0: I'm telling you, and and go into it with your adult brain open. If you don't like it after, that's fine. It's it's not for everyone, because like it has that like cream cheese texture, and there are people that despise cream cheese. So, I don't know. I like getting all worked up over cream cheese though, and I I, I forgot about it. I thought of a good. I was discussing cheese with my dad, and we were going over, we were analyzing it, and I thought of a really good comparable for Swiss cheese. Um, you remember Ben Zobrist? Ben Zobrist was a back-to-back World Series champion. He won it in 2015 with the Royals and 2016 with the Cubs. And he never really had like one set position. You need Ben Zobrist to play some right field, he'll play some right field. I think for the Cubs, he was primarily the backup. No, he probably was considered this. Starting second baseman and Addison Russell and Javier Baez shared assignments at second base during the World Series year, and there were and you know Ben Zobrist probably played some third. Bryant played third too. Ben Zobrist was actually all over the place. Now that he was a true utility guy, that is Swiss cheese, just a true utility guy. He's not your best player. He's probably not even starting every game. But when you get to the big moments, the World Series, French onion soup, a ham sandwich. You get to the big moments. Um, I think you need to really start considering Swiss cheese.
1: Um, I've actually had Swiss cheese since our last conversation. Wow. That quick of a turnaround for the Swiss cheese, eh?
0: I, mean, I love Swiss cheese. It's my it could be my number one. Wow, have you ever had And, and I've had it today. Wow, good work. Good work on being ready for this assignment. Uh, you, your dedication to the podcast is truly remarkable. I respect it. So
1: I've had Swiss multiple occasions. That's, that's, out- that's out.
0: outstanding dedication to Bar Down Talking Hockey yeah. um, presented by the Barroom Network. Really quick. See, Brick and Munster. We didn't even touch on Munster. I like Brick, too, but we didn't touch on Munster. There are just so many cheeses. Um, Mike Henley says, cut the cheese and get to the sports. Uh, Frank, you cut the cheese quite often from what I know about you. (laughs) Me? Let's talk about Tom. Tom. Tom will pull my finger. Tom cuts the cheese quite often. Foster gave Tom a thumbs up. Tom's going to pull that finger. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Frank we have an outstanding cheese conversation. We will be discussing cheese all hockey season long. Uh, maybe on our next show we'll come we'll def, we'll do a definitive top 20. And we'll we'll separate like the Mount Rushmore and the top 10 and the top 20. We will I think I think that's necessary.
1: And our next show is our first or our last show before Thanksgiving,
0: which is frick, what better way to do to go into the Thanksgiving holiday. And we're going to discuss our updated uh, Thanksgiving meals, too, because we've discussed Thanksgiving because the show's always been on a Wednesday. This will be our fourth time, I think, discussing the Thanksgiving plate. And we might dedicate a whole period to Thanksgiving next week. And we'll talk about the Thanksgiving football games, our favorite foods, all that that Thanksgiving
1: game for you, I think.
0: Yes. Perfect. I love it. Next week. If you're interested in this show, if you love hockey, this is the place to be. If you love Thanksgiving, this is the place to be. If you love football, this is the place to be. If you love hockey and football on Thanksgiving, this is the place to be because that's what we do here. one of the drunkest i've ever been in my entire life was the last time new jersey played on thanksgiving uh, i believe it was a 3 to 1 win or a 4 to 2 win over the montreal canadians in montreal the devils won loved that um but they don't play on thanksgiving thank goodness kind of cuz that was kind of a pain in terms of you know covering it but you know i'm excited to do all this uh cheese tom says that we're gonna try limburger cheese next time we're together and it can't be worse than his neighbor's garbage um i i'm i'm agreeing with that
1: he had Um, a very funny story he told me about it i just busted out laughing you have to hear it i i don't want to even say it so you'll hear it from his mouth
0: okay I understand. I thought you were going to say it right here and I was excited. But if you promise that it's better from his mouth, some jokes are or some stories are just better from the source.
1: I mean, it's not a big story, but it was like I don't know if it was like somebody he knew who he was interested in back in the day or if it was a friend who had a girlfriend who's like go to was just always a Limburger cheese sandwich. Okay. And it, w- it made me laugh, and it was hilarious. I, I don't remember if that was somebody he knew or.
0: That is funny. That is very funny. We're going to have to hear it from him and get his take on it, but I'm excited to watch him eat Limburger cheese. Um, Foster yeah. says ham, Munster, and fresh spinach on rye with mayo and a little mustard toasted. That actually sounds holy schnikes. Ham, Munster, fresh spinach, spinach, mayo, a little mustard toasted. I right? love
1: uh, Munster sounds a delightful. lot. Yeah, uh, Munster is good. I forgot
0: would you put swiss and munster on this sandwich foster suggesting like do uh, you do you consider crossing the sauces every now and again
1: yeah
0: why not yeah i'm with you i love mixing cheeses cheese was put on this earth to be mixed
1: of course
0: i mean what is nacho cheese nacho cheese probably <laughs> it probably is a mix of cheddar and american right like i i would assume there's some kind of like you know way of making that that
1: i don't know like how they decide what goes where and Absolutely. Well,
0: we're going to cut the cheese and we're going to get to talking about sports ball in period number one. Welcome to period number one, where Frankie and I are done discussing cheese for 15 minutes, but we're going to get back to cheese at some point or another. Frank, speaking of cheese. We're going to talk about some things going on with our friends north of the border in this period, number one. And we're going to talk about our friends. This is going to be the second straight show that we led off with Alberta. And we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Frank, the Edmonton Oilers, they canned Jay Woodcroft over the weekend after a big win against, uh, there was the Seattle Kraken that they beat. And McDusty was flying. And Zach Hyman had a natural hat trick in the first period. And it looked like the Oilers that were all last season. And then they can Jay Woodcroft the next day after they win. And you think that this game against the Kraken would kind of buy Jay Woodcroft some time. Because I certainly don't think he's a bad coach. If the Devils were to can Lindy Ruff for whatever reason, I'd be cool with them hiring Jay Woodcroft the next day. He's got like a 700 winning percentage with the Oilers. I really think he's a good coach. But they felt the change was needed. Your thoughts. Well, let's
1: not forget they lost to the sharks as well before that. So Yeah, but did the Flyers fire torts? That I mean that just means that his firing was set in stone no matter what. Like they knew it was coming right after that game. Um he he probably knew, like, all right, I'm done. Like, okay, we're we're gonna stick around for this game. Win or lose, you're still fired. They were on the road. And they were on the road. Um McDavid said that. The firing caught him by surprise. I mean, all right, you Chill don't out. even have don't even say it.
0: Like, yeah, you don't have to lie, I, Connor.
1: <laughs> I, don't don't even comment on the situation or be like, "Wow, I didn't think." Um, just, there's just something you don't have to say. Just don't say it caught you by surprise. I mean, you could like playing for him, you could like him as a person, you could like him as a coach. But anyone who knows hockey knew it was coming, including McDavid. He was just doing the nice thing to do. But don't blatantly lie because I don't believe that he didn't know. Um, replacement coach though is Chris Noblock. Noblock was the coach of the Erie Otters when McDavid was down in junior. So, this is a great opportunity for McDavid to unlock some of the potential that has been missing all season. And Noblock is a man who knows how to coach McDavid. So, McDavid's comfortable playing under this coach. And through his first game, the Oilers are one and oh. And in that one game, McDavid had a goal and assist. side had a goal and three assists. Both players had combined for six points. And like I said last week, change needed to happen. Sometimes it's the slightest change, such as a coaching change. And sometimes that can make the biggest of differences. Still got to see what you know happens all over a long stretch of period. But go no block, dude. Ride it out.
0: You brought up a good point. McDavid said it caught him by surprise. He didn't know it was coming. And I agree with you. There's no way Connor's not lying. But you didn't even bring up the biggest reason why I think he's lying. Because they he- hired his damn junior coach. <laughs> they, they were like, what coach could we hire that'll make Connor so happy? Let's ask him. Or let's hire his junior coach, where only one player has been better than Bedard and Junior in the last 20 years. It's Connor McDavid. Right. And freaking this guy, I, don't lie to me, Connor. You're one of my favorite players in the league, but I'll hate you so fast if I have to. <laughs> I will do it. Will in short order, will I despise you if you lie? Dude said I caught him so off, off guard. I like, just caught you so off guard. You knew two weeks ago that if you lost to the Sharks, you were going to freaking see your coach get canned. It you, can't be that dumb. No, come on, Connor. He, if he didn't know, if he didn't know, and he's telling the truth. Ken Holland ought to be fired. The GM of the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, what are we doing if you're not telling Connor? I mean, I know Connor's not the GM, but like Buddy's only got two years left on his contract. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent soon. Like that conversation is going to start coming up. Connor's going to get the H out of there if they don't, you know, continue being a winning team. I'm not going to say the Oilers haven't given Connor a chance to win the Stanley Cup. They've lost to the last two Stanley Cup champions in the playoffs, uh, Colorado and um, Vegas. And that's who took them out both times. But I mean, if you're Edmonton, you had 12 forwards last year, have 10 or more goals. You you bring in a defenseman like Ekholm, who's been outstanding. Um, Bouchard has been unreal. You kind of haven't put your best foot forward with goaltending, but you tried. He assigned Jack Campbell, who was amazing with the Kings before and the Leafs before he got to the um, Edmonton Oilers. We loved Jack Campbell. We thought he was great back in the times when he was with the Leafs. And Stuart Skinner was second in rookie voting last year, the Calder Trophy. I mean, Edmonton, they have tried and some things have worked and some things have failed. Uh Zach Hyman, bringing him in was a revelation. He's one of the best power forward role players in the nhl i mean he had north of 90 points last season if you could even call a guy with 90 points a role player but i guess if there were three guys on the team with you know 100 points you could probably start considering Hyman a role player but i mean the point i'm trying to make is like connor you guys need to be better too mcdavid and dry are not void of any blame for what has happened to the oilers so far this season they're just not they haven't dominated games they, they get their points. Drysaddle's got six goals, I think, which is a little low for him at this point. But, you know, McDavid, he, he went eight games without a goal. He finally scored in their last game. And then after he makes the sarcastic remark, yeah, at least I know I remember how to score. Like, yeah, Connor, we know you know how to score. Like, like, dude, what are you talking about? But, I mean, it's it's an interesting situation up there in Edmonton and, you know, I'm excited to see how it goes going forward. Last week, I said they're toast. Now that they fired their coach and have won two in a row, I might be flip, flip, flip Adelphia, flip, flip, okay. flip Adelphia. But I'm not totally flipped yet. I still think the Oilers stink. Go prove me wrong, Edmonton. Last year, remember, they were my second most watched team. Uh-huh. My second most watched team behind New Jersey. They probably, they're probably still in the top 10, if I'm recalling what I've thrown on my TV and computer over the last month or so. But Tooch's team that he's putting on in the chat, which hello, Tooch, by the way. Nice to see you. Thank you for coming in. My podcast father, my pod father. Um I I've been watching the Canucks, man. And he's got them tonight, 60 minute puck line at plus one hundred to win in regulation over the New York Islanders. I love that bet. I love oh, wow. it. I love pick. it. It's a great pick. I, I'd be stunned if the Canucks don't beat the Isle. Um, I believe it's in Vancouver, too. So, it but it's a 60 minute pick puck line. So that means if it know, goes to
1: overtime, you lose.
0: Yeah. Because he's got to be one and a half. Um, but I'm, I'm all in on Vancouver. I think they make playoffs. I, I picked them in preseason to be, um, like a bubble team and make the playoffs. They were in the playoffs for me. They, are exceeding my expectations. Now mm-hmm. I can see them having home ice against the, either one of them or the Kings will have home ice and they'll play each other. And it'll be an awesome series. I can't tell you who I think would win right now. I, you would have to talk to me in March and April, but as of right now, those two teams rule and hell yeah to the Canucks.
1: It's money line, not puck line. Money oh. line is plus
0: hundred. Oh, okay. There you go. well, I mean, either way, I love Vancouver, and my guy Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes and Luke Hughes' older brother the two superstars on the New Jersey Devils, their older brother Quinn, just as good. Really, probably – it probably goes Jack, Quinn, Luke, but, like, it could go in any order three years from now, right? Like, you know, we never know what Luke is going to do, what Quinn – like, I still think if Jack comes back from injury, we could be talking about the Calder – the at least nominations, the Calder, the Hart and the Norris. So, you know, it's going to be fun, but, you know, it should be really, really cool. Thomas Gage says he's going to Dallas. I'm assuming he's talking about McDusty. No, um, I think he's
1: talking about Patrick Kane. Oh, because that's the title of this episode. Got it. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's one
0: of the teams he hasn't spoken to yet, but he, they are in the rumor. Uh, I thought he meant McDavid. I was like, if McDavid went to Dallas, man, that would really, <laughs> that would really throw a wrench in things. I mean, they, they probably could make, but like, would not McDavid want to go to Texas? There's just uh, too
1: much. They'd have to free up some cap space, and
0: I also right. don't think they. I think they'd rather splurge on like. They don't need him. I'm thinking of like if a big defenseman becomes available over the years, like. I know Rasmus Darlene and Owen Power got locked up, but, like, who's next in line after that? Quinn Hughes is pretty locked into Vancouver. Like, I, I see Dallas going for, like, you know, a top defenseman at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, um, the Colorado just extended Devin tapes, too. I was just going to say him. But, like, you know, one of those types of guys is what I see Dallas doing in the future. But, hey, you never know what happens. Um, So, Frank, any last-minute thoughts on Edmonton before we move
1: on from them? Well... What I forgot to mention, too, about how McDavid didn't know. Um, we I mean, you don't have to be told about Woodcroft being fired. Were we told? Well, no, you just as a hockey fan and especially as the greatest hockey player in the world, you should know based on how well your team's performing. Like, it shouldn't come as a surprise. That's all I have left to say about it. Um, you just don't sit there, uh, in the locker room. Like you have no idea what's going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I have one issue though. And I think, I think this is something that, you know, it'll be said even more when we get to the third period, when we start talking about the national football league, but coaches, GMs, uh, coordinators, whatever the case may be, they do oftentimes take the brunt for players sucking ass. When Luke Luke Goetze was in Green Bay as their offensive coordinator, everyone loved this man. Luke Getzey, offensive genius. You know why he was an offensive genius? Because that bad man, Aaron Rodgers, was their quarterback, and he won two back-to-back MVPs and made Luke Goetze look like a genius. Now he comes to the Bears, and he's got Justin Fields, and Tyson Bajant, and all of a sudden all Bears fans think he's an idiot moron, want him fired. Okay, fine. You look at the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen decides to be the NFL's leader in interceptions again, and their offensive coordinator gets fired. But everyone loved this guy when Josh Allen looked like freaking Michael Vick out there. Everyone loved him. He was the best (laughs) offensive coordinator in the NFL. This Bills offense is so good. When your players stink, the coaches take the tumble a That's lot of the part time. Of I, the job. I do think there are instances where you can look at coaching and be like, this guy stinks. You know, when I think of, um, you know, I don't think Jay Woodcroft is necessarily the reason that Edmonton was stinking and they fired him because of results. But, and sometimes I do think firing guys for results is fair. But, you know, if McDavid and Drysdale started the season well, and they're 8-3-2 instead of 3-8-2, Jay Woodcroft is still very much their coach. Yep. And so stuff like that happens. He's out of Edmonton. We move on for the second week in a row. We don't just start with one team in Alberta. We move to the next. The Flames took a tough loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs on Friday night. In that game, Nikita Zadorov laid a huge hit, and he scored a big goal. And then after the game, Kevin Weeks, Reports that Nikita Zadorov has requested a trade out of Calgary. Um, they and then Pierre LeBrun followed it up. Pierre LeBrun of TSN and the Athletic follows it up with, "This is very true news. Zadorov has requested a trade, and they expect something will get done in the short term. What do you expect to happen with Nikita Zadorov and the Calgary Flames?"
1: Well, the Flames still sit in sixth in the Pacific Division. There's been no change from last week when we talked about him. Um, Zadorov doesn't want to be t- part of this team anymore. He wants to be traded. You look at his stats from this year, he's got a goal and four assists in 13 games. He's a bottom three defensive pair player on this team. Maybe he could play on the second defensive pair unit on a different team. The question begins to circulate, where can he be traded and how and where will he be fit into this new team? Now, there's a few teams that stick out right away, right? You think about the New Jersey Devils, who apparently I heard were interested in uh, in him. And I don't know who they would give up for him because the Flames are going to be looking for picks or a de- decent prospect. But the Devils could upgrade Brendan Smith on their third D pair and have him play with Kevin Ball. I mean, that definitely would be a huge upgrade for them. They would just have to make sure their cap is in order and they can make it work. And you know, getting to play with um, being on a, getting to play with Jack Hughes and this terrific young core on the New Jersey Devils, I think that would help out the team tremendously, and it would definitely strengthen their D pair a little bit. The other possibility in place you could send them is the Vancouver Canucks. If Vancouver is going to be a real contender this year and make a postseason run, they're going to want to add some defensive depth on their teams. It is not perfect at the moment. There are a decent amount of holes on defense in Vancouver, but Demko's playing so great right now. It makes it where you don't see too many of those holes. It's kind of covered up by his terrific play, but having Quinn Hughes, Philip Peronic, Nikita Zadorov on defense sounds like a load of fun. So the Vancouver Canucks are another team that, you know, I could see them possibly acquiring him. And then also I've heard rumblings about the Toronto Maple Leafs and there are rumors, uh, about like I'm pretty sure he said he wanted to go there. Or he would he wouldn't mind going to Toronto, and that would add a huge physical presence to their defense, which they don't really have a guy like Zadorov on their team. They had a lot of undersized defensemen. Nobody is big as Zadorov. I think Zadorov is like six six. Um, he would also be the Leafs' second youngest defenseman on the team, so they could add a little defensive depth and a little youth to their team because their defense kind of weak right now so i mean there are a lot of options here a lot of different teams he could go to it's just who's willing to make the move what are you willing to give up for him and where is he get best going to fit in because obviously he wants to go to a contending team or a team that's ready to win now he wants out of calgary as quick as possible
0: he really does want out of calgary i like the teams that you suggested um did you mention colorado no i think colorado is like a sneaky team to like possibly think about um just because he's been there before they seemingly could probably make this trade happen you know it's where he started his career it would make sense he'd be comfortable he knows how to play you know at even strength with the nate Doug and with kale mccarr and you know miko rantanen you know the Devin Taves, Bowen Byram, the list of players goes on. The Avalanche have like four Hall of Famers on their team. They could really just use like a boost on the back end, and I think they would really have a chance to make a deep postseason run. I actually love what Colorado's doing so far this season. They're dangerous. But um, yeah, I I think he gets moved soon. He's probably gone by Christmas, I would assume.
1: Probably before that.
0: Right? Like when the rosters freeze on the 23rd or whatever it is, I think uh, he'll probably be gone by that point. Um, So we'll see what happens. I like Nikita Zadorov. He's really turned into a pretty good player. When he was with the Hawks, I was iffy on him because they were a bad team and he was, you know, kind of thrust into some minutes that maybe he necessarily isn't suited for, right? Like if Nikita Zadorov is your number three or your number four instead of your number two then I think, you know, he could really provide some offense and be a big body, you know, control pace of play a little bit. Um, if he goes to a really good team, I, like like you said, if he went to the Devils, who are struggling to keep the puck out of their own net right now, and, you know, they're missing Heisher and Hughes, which is, you know, really putting a damper on things. It's you know, I think if you took the two best players off of any team, they would go one and three in a four-game stretch. I really, really do think that. But, like, they, they need help in that area. I think they'd be a great fit. And Zadorov, he would continue doing what he's doing in Calgary on a team like that. Now, if a team like the Sharks or something acquired him, I think he'd start to really look you know, out of place. But now that's definitely not going to happen anyway. And the team that could really use him the most is Toronto. And Toronto decides to meet with Patrick Kane. And we're going to talk about that right now. It makes no sense to me. Why the Leafs, I understand why Patrick Kane would want to play with Toronto. I
1: have, I have a reasoning behind it. I can't, I'll explain
0: for sure. I understand why Kane would want to play in Toronto. He can help. You could sign a one year deal with the Leafs and finish this season with 70 points in 60 games and get yourself a nice three year deal for 30 million and end your career richer, like that much richer than you already were and you did it because you stood on a top line with Austin Matthews this season and you just made absolute magic. I understand why Kaner would want to go to Toronto. What I don't understand, and maybe you have a theory that'll help change my thoughts. You know, I'm open to changing my opinions on things. Um, I don't understand why the Leafs would want Patrick Kane. (laughs) They have outside of maybe New Jersey, the Rangers, Maybe the Avalanche, maybe even including the Avalanche, Edmonton, maybe. They have one of the best winger cores in the NHL. You have William Nylander, who, God, I want the Hawks to sign him to play with Bedard. That's my, <laughs> that's my new thing. That's going to become my new thing I beat the drum for. Bring Nylander to Chicago, the good Nylander. You wasted <laughs> our time with stinky Alex Nylander. Bring William Nylander to Chicago to play with Bedard next season. You hand him 10 sheets, and you're set. Bedard has a line winger. He has a winger for the first half of his career in stone. That would be an outstanding idea. Um, But then you have Nylander, you have Marner, you have Bertuzzi, you have Domi, you have Matthew Nyes. I mean, the Leafs are loaded with wingers. And down the middle, they're stacked with Matthews and Tavares. Why would they want Patrick Kane, the Maple Leafs, Frank?
1: Well, here, Patrick Kane, you know, he's been, he's going to begin to meet with a bunch of NHL teams this week to discuss what we'll be playing next. Buffalo Sabres are a team in the talks. Florida Panthers are teams he'll be meeting with this week. Um, and Detroit Red Wings also expressed interest in him. Uh, but like we said, he met with the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday. Uh, all I think that happened with the Maple Leafs was that. He, he basically was doing this just to, like, pass some time. Had a cup of coffee with them as you, you, you could say, with the team. Because right now, he's currently practicing in Oakville, Ontario. So this was just an easy meet with Toronto. He barely had to travel and probably just wanted to hear what they had to say. And they probably figured, hey, listen, Patrick Kane, future Hall of Famer, is literally two miles down the street. Let's just bring him in and talk with him, and let's just let's just run his ear a little bit because he is so damn close he could probably walk to my office and we could talk to him. So that's the only reason why I think they decided to do it was the whole proximity thing of how close he was. The Toronto Maple Leafs don't need him. He's not going to go to Toronto. They have tons of talent without Kane. Work on your defense first and then talk to me about Patrick Kane later on because you don't need him. You're not going to get him. And this is just purely for media purposes, building up the media that there is, in my eyes, a zero percent chance Patrick Kane goes to Toronto. This was just the nice thing to do. Hey, Kane, i I see you from my window. I'm looking down the street. I could see you. come on over. We'll have a talk. that That's all that was in my opinion. Um, as far as other Patrick Kane rumors go, uh, I heard the Dallas Stars, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes, New York Rangers, but he's he's not going to go back to the New York Rangers, um, I don't think, or possibly uh, some of the other teams he wants to go to. Um, I also don't think he's going to go to Tampa. I, and Like I said, I don't think he's going to go to Toronto, and that's just my prediction. I think he wants to go to a serious, serious cup contending team that has – all the tools they have right now. That leads me to a couple teams. Uh, First, you could go to the Detroit Red Wings. I think that if the Detroit Red Wings uh, made it to the playoffs, it'd be a really fun option. Larkin and Dabrinka have been playing well together. I'm sure Kane would love to go play with Dabrinka right now. And the the Red Wings are one of those teams that if they made the playoffs, they could use a guy like Patrick Kane to get them through um, this experience because they're not used to something like that. And potentially take them deep the other team would be the Dallas Stars because that would just be in my opinion a little bit unfair i mean they have their offense in order they have their defense in order they got their goaltending in order i mean kane would be an unreal addition to that lineup and i think that out of all the teams we've mentioned and out of all the real possibilities he'd fit the best in there because they they don't really have to do anything for Patrick Kane. Like, I, I it's just my theory. Um, but I think that Kane is looking t- more on to win a cup this year, which is why I fi- keep find myself circling back to Dallas. They're the only threat of the teams I've named that I think could really win the cup this year, of all the teams that I mentioned. That doesn't mean that none of the other teams won't. I just don't see any of the other ones that he could potentially go to winning the cup this year. So Maybe the Hurricanes, but I just don't see him going to the Hurricanes. It seems like the Dallas Stars is the best fit for Kane this year.
0: I think they're one of the best fits. I would probably put them two. If I were Patrick Kane, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I've been jock-sniffing this team for three years, I know. I know. If I were Kane, I would go to Florida. He's set to meet with them. They have plenty of room for him. Up front, he'd be joined by stars like Verhage and Barkov and Kachuk. They are one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. And they don't even have Montour and Ekblad yet. They just got Sam Bennett back two games ago. He's already back to looking like the old D hole Sam Bennett's that we all know and love. You know, he was mucking it up yesterday. I was watching them play the Sharks. Friend of the program, John Buccigross, was calling the game. I was watching it late at night from bed. Unreal. Um, and they're going to get Ekblad and Montour back and get even better. And right now, the Florida Panthers are 10-4-1. They started 0-3. They're 8-1-1 and in their last 10. They've won five in a row. It's the best streak going in the NHL right now, tied with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have won five in a row. Um Conveniently enough, those are the two teams I argued for against with Frankie in the preseason, not to brag, Um, but you know, I I still, I'm Pittsburgh. uh, You might be right on Pittsburgh. I don't think you're right on Florida, but you know, we're going to go one and one on that battle, I think, but um, because I even hate the way Pittsburgh wins. (laughs) <laughs> losing, losing to the, or needed that crazy comeback and a Sid trick to beat the blue jackets last night. Like no thing. There are quality wins and there are, you got lucky wins. And yesterday was one. Of, I'm not too high on Pittsburgh, right? And I hope I'm wrong. I want them to be in the mix. Cause I like Crosby and Malkin, but back to the Panthers. I think, I think they're sick. I, if I were Caner, I'd go live in warm, warm sunrise. And do you hear me say warmy? Warmy Warmy Sunrise. Go live warmly in Warmy sunrise. sunrise if you're Patrick Kane and you put put on that Panthers uniform and you play. You don't need to be the guy. Um, we know Kaner has had success playing on a power play with a guy like Jonathan Taves. Well, the closest thing to Jonathan Taves in the NHL right now is Barkov. Uh, like I always say, the closest thing to Patrice Bergeron in the NHL right now is Nico Heischer. Well, the closest thing to Jonathan Taves in the NHL right now is Barkov. And Kane, I think it would just work out so well. And I, I love the makeup of that team. They have everything Bob's be playing outstanding. Um, they're even getting good goaltending from what's his face? Uh who was in net last night? I'm drawing a blank on his name. There was it wasn't Bob in net yesterday. Um you know, they've just been really, really good. I, I like what the Panthers are doing and they are meeting with Kane. That is like a confirmed fact. And that's where I would sign if I were him. But Dallas would be a close second.
1: Interesting. Will one of us be right? Probably, not. <laughs> He'll probably I, not. I think he's dumb if he goes to any other team. There's one there's one mediocre
0: team that I think he could go to that I think he would help them not be mediocre anymore. And they're about to throw someone on LTIR which would open up tons of money and they could figure it out a little longer until that guy comes back. Buffalo? Buffalo.
1: I get it. He's from Buffalo. Great story, right? The Brinkett did it going to Detroit, but eh, I don't know. He's not going to want to go to Buffalo, I don't think. If his goal is really to win the cup, is Buffalo going to win the put- cup getting Patrick Kane? No. It's not going to happen. They're not going to win the cup this year getting Patrick Kane. I no. think that's his main goal. I think they make this playoffs. Year. He's made the playoffs how many times in his career? He don't no, Yeah, him. I get he that. Wants a cup. I know. So that's I, I think it's going to set him back a little bit. You're right. Uh, What? How do you feel about Detroit?
0: Like, your personal
1: feelings. I think Detroit's out of Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo. I think it's clear Detroit's the best of the up-and-coming young teams to where they will probably make the playoffs. And if they get in the playoffs, the way Larkin and Dabrinkit are playing right now, you add Patrick Kane into there, I mean, I don't know. I think that... That's cup contender worthy potentially. They've been playing tough all year. They gave the Bruins, didn't they? Beat the Bruins. They beat the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that you never know. You get into the playoffs. I, they're a team that I think could really do damage in the playoffs. What do you expect from
0: Patrick Kane
1: realistically? Not, not much. To be honest with you, I'm. I'm like, what do you mean, point wise or?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, what is his? Let's say he gets in sixty games this season. 60 games. What are you expecting from him?
1: 25 goals. That's a lot.
0: I know. So you are expecting him to come back and play well.
1: No, I'm not expecting him. To, like, if he played a, f- like, I think a lot of people are expecting 30 plus. I'm just expecting anywhere from 20 to 25. If he scores 30
0: plus in 60 games, that's like a, six, a 55 goal pace. Right. And I just don't think that's going to happen. No, of course not. I don't, I, 25 is a lot.
1: I I expect anywhere from 20 to 25.
0: I'll go 18 to 22 goals. He had 21 last year and 70 something games played. Now his hip is better. I do that was clearly hindering him last year. He was really only productive on the power play. You Mm -hmm. could, he bore all the metrics say Patrick Kane stunk at five on five last season. And there were Ranger fans that were pissed that they traded for him. And they ended up kind of being right because outside of the one sick goal he scored against Vanacek,
1: um, he. I'm kind leaning of more towards playoffs. I'm leaning more towards twenty goals. Okay. Twenty goals, maybe twenty-eight assists. That's where I'm. So you got him near point per game. Kind of – not
0: really. I like it's Foster's like, projection: thirty-six to forty-five points.
1: Uh, yeah, I have him at forty-eight points.
0: Yeah, okay, that's fair in sixty games. So you, you're you're seeing a lot of goals, but which whoever signs him is going to want him to score. They're not looking for seventy assists anymore. Right. You know, he's he's a winger too. So like, whenever the Hawks got those forty goals, sixty assist seasons from Patrick Kane, that's like unheard of from wingers. Mm-hmm. You know, who can do that in the NHL? I think Brat can if Hughes is healthy. Um Timo Meyer, he'll get 40 goals. He ain't touching 60 assists. Uh, Marner. Marner's never scoring 40 goals. What are you talking about, EP? Uh, Nylander might be able to do 40-60 as a winger. Ovechkin, Ovechkin never really even got close to 60 assists. You know, he maybe the one year where he had like 110 points, he probably had more than 60 assists. But like, for the most part, the wingers come in and they're supposed to score goals created for them by their centermen. Right. And that's why the Devils have fallen off a cliff since Hughes and Heischer went out. Because other than Timo Meyer, all the wingers forgot how to score because they don't have the puck in, you know, easy to score areas. Because the centermen, the elite centermen that they have aren't there anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are shocked that they're losing. I'm like, oh, they're losing. Like, if you took freaking Nate Dogg and Johansson off the avalanche, they would struggle. I guarantee it. If you took Robertson and Rupe Hints off the Stars, they would struggle. I'm I'm very very confident in that, and I don't know. I Patrick Kane, he'll come. He'll make an impact. The team won't be worse for having him. No, I don't think. Um, he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He's won the Conn Smythe Trophy as the MVP of the playoffs. He's won the Hart Trophy as the MVP of the regular season. He's won a scoring title. He's got over twelve hundred points. Um, he's one of the best players ever. So do you think really quick, and then we'll wrap up the Patrick Kane conversation. The all-time leading scoring Blackhawk is on the table for Patrick Kane. That is a reachable record for him. If he were to come back and play for the Hawks, are you at a 0% chance
1: on that? Well, what's what, how far back is it? I think he's like 200 points away. Yeah, he's not going to get 200 points with the Hawks again. He might have an he might have another stint with us in three years, four years, if he wants to come back. And you know, the Hawks are in contending mode with Bedard. He might obviously he's going to end his career with the Blackhawk, whether he signs a one day contract down the line. Um, there's no way he's going to sign with us that long though. And yeah, that's all that's off the table. Okay, you 200 pa- points is a lot.
0: You think Patrick Kane has 200 more points in him in general?
1: Yeah, I think he could have two more, two hundred more points in him in general. But by the time he's ready to come back to the Hawks, if there is an opportunity where that does end up happening, I mean he's VP, he's getting old. I mean we're talking like four or five years down the line, he's even older. Not getting two hundred points with the Hawks on the line, but definitely in his career, two hundred points on the table for sure.
0: I was thinking if he like does, does the idea of getting that record entice him to sign a three-year deal with the Hawks right now. That's what I was asking. Oh,
1: him. no, he's not. No, he's not going to sign a three-year. That's off the table.
0: Okay. Yeah, I didn't say, yeah, if, uh, he turns 35 on. Yeah. He turns he 35. When's the 19th? Years. When's the 19th? Saturday? Yeah, four he, days. He turns He turns 35 on Saturday.
1: No, Sunday.
0: Sunday. So I. I if he goes 50, 50, 50, 50, 50 that's 200 points um math um yeah i don't think so he's he's
1: not looking to sign with the blackhawks it's just if this was three four years from now i think it'd be a real possibility i think he would
0: like when sharp came back for a year
1: yeah it's possible
0: we'll see um we're going to talk about bedard in a minute because that dude (laughs) man it's not bad we talked about a bunch of teams from Canada here in period number one, at least that was the center point of conversation. Now we're going to get to a couple US based teams in period number two. Were you worried I froze for even a millisecond of time? No. Okay. <laughs> um, Frank, the Los Angeles Kings played, I think it was the night of our last show, that following evening. It was. Andrzej Kopitar scored his 400th career goal. Frank, I got a bone to pick with you, with me, with Joey, with everybody in the chat, everybody who loves hockey. I mean this. Unless you're from the state of California. I was looking at Kopitar's numbers the other day, and I was thinking to myself, wow, this man has been If he's a tick below Bergeron, it is a milletick. Um, everybody, Bergeron, most selkie's ever. He's the best two-way forward who ever lived. I'm looking at Kopitar stats. I'm like, if this guy had these stats, and his sweater was blue and said Rangers across the chest, shit. If his sweater was red and had an N and a J on it, I firmly believe we would see Kopitar in the same realm as Bergeron, and guys like you and I know he's that good, but we don't talk about him like that. When you think of, Andre Kopitar is right there with Bergeron in terms of career, ability, achievement, everything. He's won two cups. Bergeron only won one. I love Patrice Bergeron. He's one of my five favorite players who ever lived. I would name my kid Patrice. That's how much I love Patrice Bergeron. This man, Kopitar, I mean, we're talking about a generational two-way player he has in his career. So he's won the Salke Trophy twice, which is only, it's three times less than Bergeron has won it. He's 36. He's probably not going to tie Bergeron Um, in his career. He has 400 goals and 755 assists for 1,155 points. <laughs> His career course, he is 54%. If you're at 50, you're an elite two-way player. He's at 54. This season, he's at 56. It's only 14 games. At 36 years old, he's point per game with seven goals and seven assists. He is unequivocally one of the best players who ever lived. He is a top 100 player of all time. I will not take no for an answer. You're not going to tell me that Buddy Malone or 2-chip carry or, you know, make up a name of a guy that's 100 years old wasn't better than Kopitar. You're just not going to tell me that. That list of top 100 players, yeah, they like to give their nods to certain areas and certain eras. Andre Kopitar is a hall of famer. He will be first ballot. And I was super stoked to see him get 400 career goals.
1: He's now the fourth LA Kings player to score 400 goals too in the franchise. So cementing his legacy with the Kings even further. I he's bet got,
0: he's not one of the three ahead of him.
1: He's not, he's not, there were some, uh, I think Marcel Dion and there were some other names that are yeah. not really familiar. um, but nonetheless, he's one of those players in the NHL. And I'm glad you said it, because I, I kind of was going through the, his stats the same way you did and thinking the same thing, that he's he's aged like a fine wine. I mean, he's been in the NHL for 17 years, and he's still getting 60 to 70 points per year and helping his teams to the playoffs each year. And even this year, he's got 14 points through 14 games. He's 36 years old, and he doesn't give enough get enough credit not enough people are talking about him. Like we all talk about Crosby and we all talk about like Melkin and Bergeron and how they're getting older and they're still playing great. Well, we don't say a damn peep about Anze Kopitar. It's like nobody's respecting him enough. And he's a hall of famer. And at 36 years of age, he's still playing like he's in his prime. His past two seasons at ages 34 and 35 were some of the best he's ever played in his career and some of the best years even better than he was in his prime. And I, is on, and he's on pace for 82 points this year. I mean, this guy just doesn't age. He's like the ageless wonder. And I just don't think we talk enough about Anze Kopitar because his, his success has been kind of masked up, and I don't know why. I don't know why we haven't talked about him. Is it because he's a Los Angeles King, like you said? Is it because he's not wearing a a more notable jersey? I mean, it's a shame because what he's been doing is is truly remarkable, especially at his age. And I completely agree. He is just a tick under Bergeron as being one of the best two-way forwards to ever live. And he had two selkies. The only reason he didn't have more is because Patrice Bergeron played in the league. If Patrice Bergeron didn't exist, Anze Kopitar would be the Patrice Bergeron. He'd have about six of them. I truly believe that. Um,
0: There's probably a year or two where Kopitar deserved it more than Bergeron too. But the Boston Boston Bruins are going to get, and I, I love the Bruins. I love them. They're my second favorite team. They're tied for my second favorite team. I love Bergeron. I literally just said I would name my kid boy or girl Patrice. I mean it. I love that man. It, he's my all-time favorite Bruin. I am biased towards Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, I would have voted for him for the Selkie, too, because I like him more. But at least I'm man enough to admit it. Kopitar is right there. He, they, probably, they probably deserved to split a couple of the Selkies if we're being – and you throw one in there for Taves. I know Barkov was in the mix a couple times. Miko Koivu was outstanding as a two way forward. Eric St- not Eric Stahl, Jordan Stahl was always in the mix. Um, but you know, Kopitar's is unreal dude. It's kind of crazy he's only one two. And why aren't the kings why aren't the kings in that conversation though? Like if you told me he didn't get enough recognition because he was playing with the Sharks or, you know, the Arizona Coyotes, okay. Yeah, the Kings are a good team. Like they should be recognized. And it's Los Angeles. I know they're not on the mount they're not on my Mount Rushmore of sports cities, but they're probably fifth or sixth. Right? Like wh- like why is this a thing? Why do we have teams over there if we're not going to treat them equally? Right. It mean, makes no sense. They won oh, a
1: couple cups.
0: We're gonna start treating them equally. We need to get Kopitar more recognition. This man is a dog. So good. He's so good. So good. He, he beat the Devils in the Stanley Cup final. He had an overtime game-winning goal in game one. He don't score that. Uh, and I think, like, the shift before, Kovalchuk hit the post. Kovalchuk hit the post, and then, like, a minute or two later, frickin' Kopitar scored the— If Kovalchuk scores there and Kopitar never does, the Devils might have won the Stanley Cup that year.
1: Like— hey, He also beat Hall of Famer Henrik Lundqvist. Yep. Yep. I mean, he, this guy's done a lot. He, he's really done a lot, man.
0: Isn't that a good way to shove it up the Eastern's hoop though? Kopitar's two cups are against the Devils and the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, good I I it was one of my saddest sports moments in life was watching <laughs> Zach Parisi shake I Dustin know. Brown's hand. I like it. It is one of my saddest sports moments in life. I I would say it's number one. That is the number one saddest I've ever been. For a couple other reasons, that was the worst day of my life in a lot of ways. But um, that was just nasty business, and I hated every second of it. And is a big reason for it. I'm man enough to admit why it was. it's bullshit that we don't talk about him more. I'm getting a Kopitar jersey. I'm going to start rocking it because, dude, you have a Kings jersey. You mm-hmm. could dress up a Kings jersey. You could throw one on and just wear it like a loser like I'm doing with this Avalanche jersey right now, but you could throw on a nice pair of pants and do your hair up a little bit, and you can make a Los Angeles Kings jersey look swagalicious.
1: Absolutely. 100%.
0: Speaking of Hall of Fame, Frank, which Kopitar will be going in the other day, we had a couple inductions on Monday night. Your thoughts?
1: Obviously, for me, it was really cool to see Lundqvist entering into the Hall of Fame, and having his Hall of Fame plaque handed to him by Patrick Waugh made it even cooler. Um, But this was a very goaltender-heavy Hall of Fame. It just didn't end at Henrik Lundqvist, Mike Vernon, Tom Barrasso, or also other goaltenders that received Hall of Fame honors this year. And three goalies might not seem like a lot, but when the spots every year are limited, trust me, it's a lot. This was the first time that three goaltenders entered the Hall of Fame together in more than 60 years. So that is just how rare it is to have all these goalies enter the Hall of Fame. Really cool experience. Ken Hitchcock, another guy I watched coach for many of my hockey-watching uh, days of my life, inducted in the Hall of Fame as well. Um, we're getting to that point now going forward, and it really starting this year, where there's just going to be tons and tons and tons of guys that we start to know and recognize because we're getting older. They've been out of the NHL for so long, so now they're eligible. And I mean, it, it's, it's a cool experience. And I think we're going to appreciate it more and more as we get older.
0: I completely agree. It is getting, like when we first started, it was a bunch of guys that we had heard of. But we never got to watch. We didn't get to see him. I remember when Marty got in. That was the first time, which Marty Brodeur, I mean, in a lot of people's opinion, including mine, he's the greatest goaltender who ever lived. Most rational hockey fans, at minimum, have him top three. And so him getting into the Hall of Fame was a lock. But I think seeing a guy that I watched play a lot of games get into the Hall of Fame, that was Mm -hmm. when I was like, okay, going forward, it's going to really be a lot of guys that I've watched and, you know, took the time. So, um, next year's class, the fir- the guys on the ballot for the first time are that are leading the kind of class are Pavel Datsuk and Shea Weber. See, that's like, insane guys. Right? We watched Shea Weber probably ruined your life a couple times oh, scoring yeah. big goals for the Nashville Predators against the Blackhawks. Um, you know, and that's the Datsuk I forget too. I mean, they
1: were in the Western conference. So. Yeah.
0: I mean, they were on that Detroit team that had a three, one lead and, Datsuk was probably the best player in that series for either Mm -hmm. team. Even though the Hawks ended up winning in the end, it was a lot more of a team type of comeback win. You got a goal from Kane here and a goal from Taves here and Hosa there. Datsuk and Zetterberg alone got Detroit out to a 3-1 lead. Zetterberg's on the ballot too, oddly enough. Um, I think it took Datsuk an extra year to get on the ballot because he was still playing in Russia for that extra Mm -hmm. year. I think that's what why him and Zetterberg are going on at the same time. But um, they they are in a good spot with the Hall of Fame. There's good players going in every year. And I, I loved seeing Lundqvist. I, I'm one of those people who, when my rivals retire, it, I think about how much they pissed me off, and I use that as a barometer for respect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There were times where Henrik Lundqvist, he just wasn't giving up a goal. <laughs> and like the Devils, a lot of his good years on the back half of his career, the Devils were a stinky team. You know, you got guys like Damian Bruner and Dinah Zubris and Adam Henrique, and, you know, these guys who are good players, but they shouldn't be, you know, the top five scorers on your team. Um, Those were those types of years, but you know, the Devils got their one piece of cake from Kendrick Lunquist in that 2012 season before Kopitar, oddly enough, ruined it all for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got that big win over the Lunquist and the Rangers in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. But, um, you know, congrats to all the people that made it, especially Sexy Lundqvist. Um, I have no problem calling him Sexy Lunquist. Did you see him during his speech? Looked great. I mean, I know we see him do Wednesday night hockey every week, and he has a different, perfectly fitted suit. every. He always
1: week. looks great. It's Henrik Lunquist. Yeah. Lundqvist.
0: yeah. He's just a Swedish man model. That's what he is. If he wasn't
1: a hockey player, he'd be a model.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is a model and a hockey player. But you're saying he's he's like a full time model. Well, have you seen? You you know, he's a twin.
1: Is this a joke?
0: No, he has. He's got a brother. He has an identical twin that looks just like him. And he played. I I don't think he's a goalie though. I think he's a forward. He, oh, he played. played he played with Lundqvist at Team Sweden, uh, in the World Championships. I don't. He wasn't good enough to be an Olympian on Team Sweden. But you know, the World Champions. It's not. It's every summer, right in June. You know, the playoffs yep. are kind of still going on. At this, Kane played in one year. Kane and Jack Hughes were line mates. Right after the Devils okay. took Jack Hughes first overall, Patrick Kane, when the Hawks got eliminated, went over and played with Jack Hughes on the same line. Um, Lundquist's brother played in that year one time with him because normally Lundquist couldn't go Yeah, because right. the Rangers were making deep playoff runs um, but there was one year the Rangers got eliminated early and Lundquist went over and played with his brother that was really cool so just an all-time great career very happy for him and we'll be seeing lots of Lundquist going forward he's going to be on TV for a long
1: time I think Henrik Lundquist
0: Rangers goal. That guy's a douche. Um number 30. I love when they would announce. <laughs> yep. <yeah>. Number 30. <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist. Very, very. I always remember that. And then they go them going from Lundqvist to Shesterkin though is quite literally uh, that does keep me up at night sometimes because like the devils went from broder to schneider which was awesome and then after schneider it's just been shit goalie after shit goalie but you know so hopefully that means after shesterkin they get a shit goalie after shit goalie situation but probably not but hey i thought jordan love would be third in line after farvin rogers and they would ruin my life during football season and that is not the case jordan love stinks so We'll see what happens with the Rangers going forward in terms of goaltending after Shester. Although Shesterkin, I'm saying after Shesterkin, as if he's not gonna be in my face for the next ten years. Um Damn Igor. Igor, Igor he's damn good. He is good. I think he, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. He's uh, not he's not one of those guys that like if he retired to today, it. if he retired today, he'd get in. He's not one of those guys. Like but he's gotta keep it up. Yeah. Is Tuca Rask a Hall
1: of Famer? That's tough. It's close. I would say no. I don't think so. Okay. It's close. It's close.
0: I hope he gets in.
1: You know why I hope he gets in?
0: The only thing I've ever hated about Bruins fans was the way they treated Tuca Rask. They acted like he was a shit goalie. Dude's got a 925 save percentage. He gives up a goal to Crosby in the playoffs and everybody wants Tuca out of town let me tell you something. Crosby scored a lot of goals on a lot of goalies. Idiots. Yeah, um,
1: that's a tough one.
0: Are you looking at his statistics? Yeah. I mean his career save percentage, dude.
1: I can't where is his other It's a good save percentage. <laughs> a good save percentage. If Frank, my logic for goalies 921.
0: Would would his career statistics win him the Vezina Trophy if they were single season statistics?
1: But then again, if he's a Hall of Famer, is Corey Crawford a Hall of Famer? I think Crawford he is. had Crawford had a better career save percentage than Tuca Rest. I've been on the Crawford
0: as a borderline hall of famer for didn't. a long he, time. He,
1: it's like right there. He had a nine eighteen.
0: I've <laughs> been on the Corey Crawford as a borderline hall of fame train for a long time. And because
1: Crawford's not gonna get it, I don't think you give it to Tuka either. I just it's they're like right there. They're like
0: Well, Tuka has one thing that Crawford doesn't. And they do look at this. Tuca has won the Vezina trophy. They do look at league awards. That's the only knock on Crawford is that he never won the Vezina, but
1: it's The Hawks
0: never ran Crawford out for 70 games though. It was always hard to vote for him to win the Vezina because Ray Emery started 35, 40 games or Scott Darling started 35, 40 games. Tuukka Rask, you look at his seasons, 65 games, 64 games, 70 games. I mean, this guy was a workhorse. It's so, tough. It is tough. It's tough.
1: I, I, I'd I'd probably lean towards no. It's razor well, thin, though.
0: Let's compare him to Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik- but I feel like Henrik
1: Lundqvist, it's like there was a different bias there.
0: Yeah, Tuca's numbers are way better than Henrik Lundqvist.
1: Yeah, I know, but Corey <laughs> Crawford's eat. numbers are better than Henrik Lundqvist, too. But it's like there's a different bias for Henrik Lundqvist.
0: I would put Crawford in the Hall of Fame.
1: See, I don't know. I don't I think would.
0: I would. And Crawford doesn't have the Vezina, though. Lundqvist and Rask do. So we'll yeah. see. I'm on the Tuka to the Hall of Fame train. Let's go, Tuca!
1: If he gets in, it's not first ballot.
0: No, no, no. I don't think so either. Um, Kerry Price will get in, I think, probably first ballot. Um, but outside of him, what goalie from that generation, like Vasilevsky, will be first ballot. Um, but I, Shesterkin's on that trajectory. And if he doesn't make it to the Hall of Fame, it'll be like a discussion like Crawford, like that good. But I don't know, man. The Hall of Fame is fun to discuss. Um, you know what else is fun to discuss, Frank? Hmm. We're only 15. 16 games into this thing, depending on what team you're talking about. I think back at, and Bucci tweeted this after me and you're, and it, my tweet got like 150 likes. So there's no way it didn't come across his timeline. And he stole the idea from me. <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe that because I tweeted it like seven hours earlier. And then he tweeted it. I went down a rabbit hole and Bucci tweeted that he did this too. 12 hours later, you could go look at the timestamps on the tweet. I was looking at the top three in every draft for like the last thirty years because I don't care about the '80s or the '90s. That's comparing apples to oranges when goalies wearing newspapers for pads. Um, there, it might not be a more a more productive out of the gate top three in the NHL draft than 2023. There are top three picks from drafts before 23 that haven't made their debut yet. I think the world of Simon Nemich, he's lighting the AHL up on fire. He hasn't made his NHL debut yet. He went second overall in 22. Uh, and everyone, the consensus was that the 22 draft was not was weak compared to some other drafts. But, you know, there were some good players there. Um, Bedard, Carlson, and Fantilli, all three of them are just, all three of them. Bedard had the sick two-goal game, and Leo Carlson and Fantilli were like, oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah? Fantilli scoring goals in the air. I mean, this guy's scoring goals in the air. Leo Carlson's getting hat tricks or making cross seam power play game winning goal passes to McTavish. All three of these guys are superstars. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, have the top three in a draft ever gone to the Hall of Fame? I don't know. I'm sure that I'm sure it's happened. I really am probably sure it's happened. But like these three guys, the way they've started in the NHL so far superstars make their teams worth watching every single day and that goes for all three of them and it pisses me off I know San Jose got a really good player in Will Smith I think he's going to be a stud they're going to regret not taking Michkov and it could have been the top four it could have been the top four Michkov is dominating the KHL the way no other 18 year old has ever in the history of the world and you could have had him in San Jose instead you got Will Smith who's great Will Smith is playing in the NCAA, which is, I love college hockey. I tweet about it all the time. I write about it all the time. It's not the KHL. And Meechkov is dominating the KHL more than Will Smith is dominating college hockey. So, dumb on them, I guess. But Bedard, Carlson, Fantilli, what are your thoughts?
1: Connor Bedard got his first multi-point game and multi-goal game of the season in one game. The floodgates were let open against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Two goals and two assists for Bedard. Then the next game against the Florida Panthers, he nuts two goals. Has four goals in his last two games. He's back up to a point per game. I still see him finishing with 82 points. Um, and he's he's just getting better as the season goes on. And I think that they may start to come in bunches now because the once the floodgates are open, it doesn't close very easily. I, I mean, it's, it's tremendous what we're seeing. I mean, this is the Connor Bedard we're waiting for. And it's like a beast is being unleashed. And then for Leo Carlson, he became the first rookie this season to record a hat trick. He had three goals against the Philadelphia Flyers. And he's got a nice eight points right now in the year. He's only played in 10 games, missed five games so far this year. But that just proves of, like he doesn't have as many games played as maybe Fantilli or Bedard. But he's he's still he's scoring hat tricks. And it takes some guys, some veterans, years before they get hat tricks, So Leo Carlson, he's lighting it up with the Ducks. Adam Fantilli had a little goal-scoring streak of his own. He had a goal in two straight games and a point in three straight games. Obviously, that came to an end last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But all three rookies are playing great nonetheless. Obviously, Bedard has been the more consistent, I'd say, of the three. Um, Maybe because he's played a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure he's played. I I don't know if Fantilli's missed any games. Um, I don't think he has, so... But right now, uh, Bedard has obviously been the most dynamic, I'd say, because he's leading all rookies in goals. Um, but hopefully the contest, the success continues for all of them. Um, I-, I love what I'm seeing from these young guys. And I- I'm a, I'm a big fan of Leo Carlson. I really am. I mean, Me this too. kid's unreal. Me Woo! too. I like him better than Fantilli. I've told you that. I think come down the line, he's going to have a better career than Fantilli. But we'll see.
0: I like them both equally. I hope they both play in 1,500 games and each have 1,000 points. I think that's possible. Uh, I mean, I really do. They are both unreal. They're both different. Leo Carlson's a little more silky smooth. Leo Carlson is the exact type of player you would expect the Blue Jackets to draft, and Fantilli is the exact kind of player you would expect the Ducks to draft. If you mm-hmm. think about like their history, when were the Ducks great? Who were their best players? It was Getzlaff, Perry, and Kessler. Mm-hmm. Fantilli might be like a melting pot of those three players. And then you think of Leo Carlson, who are the best players in Blue Jackets history, Marion Gabrick, Rick Nash, and Artemi Panarin. You probably mix those three together and you get Carlson. They're on opposite teams. I think that's great. I honestly, I like seeing the kind of change of direction a little bit. It's not as vanilla as you would expect from those Mm -hmm. teams. Um, So you know, I'm I'm excited. I think it worked out well for everybody. I really do. Um, Leo Carlson didn't care what team drafted him. He has no local ties to the United States. Um, Fantilli, he didn't have to move very far. He's down in Columbus after playing college hockey up in Ann Arbor, and it's just great, great stuff. I mean, the goal he scored, the goal Fantilli scored, where he shot it in, <laughs> and it bounced off the board, and he hit it out of midair. Into the net, and I'm like, what what even is this league right now? And Carlson, the best play he made, I know he had a hat trick, but my favorite play he made was like the little pass he made to McTavish. It doesn't look like much, but if you've ever stepped on skates and you go out there with a stick and a puck, to put it through a defender at just the perfectly slow speed where it would reach McTavish's stick right as he was approaching it, because McTavish caught the pass in stride and shot the goal. The way that happened, I was just like, this kid is just smarter than – he might be smarter than Bedard. Bedard's more talented than every all of them can – but, like, Leo Carlson's brain combined with his mitts – you know, the fact that he's scoring goals impresses me, Carlson, because I knew Fantilli and Bedard were going to score some goals. I thought Leo Carlson would probably have 15, 20 goals and maybe, like, 40 assists as, like, a rookie. These guys could all be 25 – Forty guys, and I'll have sixty-five plus points. I think Bedard goes over forty. I like my preseason prediction on that. Um, but I mean, for Fantilli and Carlson, it's just been unreal. Bedard scored two goals that made me question my entire existence over the <laughs> last handful of games. <laughs>
1: that one where he stole it away from. Uh... That's
0: one of them. Oh
1: my! He took God. it away
0: from the Florida defenseman. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I know um, the Florida coach, filthy. the Florida coach Paul Maurice, was like praising. The defenseman that that happened to and he's like that like it takes a special player like bedard to you know make a play like that against him and it's
1: unbelievable the,
0: he stole the puck and he had bob's jockstrap hanging from the rafters because bob's a great goal he's won the Vezina trophy twice he was in the stanley cup final last year i am leaning towards him being a hall of famer i really am i know we've had that discussion before but even if he's the hall he's just short if he misses but Bob Bob thought for sure that from that angle Bedard was passing it and he roofed it he put it in the only place it could have been to not hit the post or the goalie, and like it's like in the blink of an eye it's a goal like in less than five milliseconds it was stolen goal and just the fact that Bedard has the ability to do that at 18, 19 years old, however the age old he is. He just turned 18 on your birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 18. He's the youngest player in the league, and he was able to do that. was just monumentally stupid. <laughs> um, and then there was the goal he scored against Tampa Bay a couple oh nights God. prior.
1: Where... About.
0: It was his... Was it his first goal of the game or his second? It was probably his second. He slashed the puck away from the Tampa Bay defender, but he did it. You could tell he did it on purpose, but it doesn't look like he did it on purpose. If you don't really watch hockey all that often, does that make sense? I know for a fact he did it on purpose because he knew that he had Felino behind him breaking and Bedard like tapped it and it went to Felino. And instead of Felino taking the puck up or shooting it in and going for a dump and dump and chase. He gets the puck back to Bedard with like a sick little backhand. And then Bedard just makes a silky sweet move, a forehand backhand goal. And there was a little bit of luck involved with it, sneaking through the Tampa Bay goalie, but there was no luck involved with setting the goal up. And sometimes that's the hockey gods at play. We'll let this puck sneak through because of how you got yourself in this position the fact that he created that turnover to me, an 18 year old creating a turnover like that is far more impressive than any goal he could score. And the fact that a goal came from it is why I'm so impressed by it, because the, the, the way he just tapped in, he tapped it in such a way where it could only go to Felino. Mm-hmm. and it was on the Tampa base defender stick. He didn't poke it off the guy's stick so Felino could go get it. He poked it off the guy's stick onto Felino's in stride. And it was just one of the most crazy things I've ever it was, seen. It is crazy. Honestly, this kid is unreal. Um I, I, I said it for a long time. He's gonna be right there competing for second best player in the league behind McDavid. Um, and then I think there probably comes a point where he just is the second best player in the league. And like guys like Jack Hughes and Nathan McKinnon, they'll win a heart trophy here and there, but like Connor Bedard, he's the real deal, man. He's right there with those guys right now at 18 years old. He is box there office, is and man, do I love seeing it. You think he wins rookie of the year or are you still iffy? No, I'm not. I was never really iffy. I think if the season were to end today, it would be Bedard. The two defensemen might be with him. Mint- Mintukov has 10 points and Luke Hughes has eight, and they're defensemen. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Bedard, Carlson, Fantilli, they're like lighting the world on fire as rookies, and they're not even the only rookies in the league dominating right now. Logan Cooley's unreal. Brock Faber is playing number one minutes on Minnesota's mm-hmm. top pair and he's playing very well in that role minchukov on the Ducks, and that could hurt each other's case having two top rookies on the same team like that Mm -hmm. but you know any one of those guys that i just named i think bedard's in the lead right now though because he's got nine goals and if he scores 40 goals as a rookie i mean it's going to be hard to argue with that at that point so Yeah, as of right now, I would put him the leader. I would put Minchukov second, and I would put either Luke Hughes or Leo Carlson third. Very fair. Yeah, very, very fair. Another rookie defenseman, though, Frank, Kevin Korchinski, finally scored his first NHL goal. And the Blackhawks, they're they're getting exactly what they need from their young guns right now. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah, Kevin Korchinski got his first goal in the NHL off a shot off of a Taylor Radish's skate blade. That was unbelievable. I mean, besides Connor Bedard, the most talked about players on this team are Alex Vlasic and Kevin Korczynski, our two rookie defensemen who are playing great. For the past handful of years, since the Blackhawks have been truly bad, um, the talks were about building a core that they could win it all with, and they're doing just that. I mean, since the Blackhawks have really been on the decline. The other, the, most of the other talks were about how bad the defense was, and that this team needs to draft defensemen because they're going to let a lot of goals in. And that is all changing right now. Like, yeah, this team is still letting in more goals than they want to. But the difference now is that you have two great young kids on defense that are going to be here for a while. They could use, they could still use some, uh, a couple more great defenders. But they're starting to become, they're starting to become less and less questions asked. When it comes to the, the defensive side of things, and of course they could use a lot more help on defense, but this is the best off that this defense has been in about six to seven years, in all honesty. And it may not have been the prettiest of goals, but to see that goal go in, it was a big moment not only for Korchinski, for but for the Blackhawks rebuild as well. It was a it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking back at the draft. Juracek and Nimich were the only two defensemen that went ahead of Korchinski and they're both great we think but nothing's proven and so the fact that the Hawks got a guy at least similar to that level um at 7 and they had they entered that week of the draft with zero first round picks and they came away with Korczynski and Nazar and then the one guy that everybody forgets his name Sam um, Renzel. <laughs> Sam Renzel. um I think I think they did really, really well. And Kyle Davidson has just been, you know, absolutely unbelievable. So hopefully that continues and good luck to the Hawks. San Jose finally won a game. They beat Philly and then they beat Edmonton. Um, Just some quick thoughts on the San Jose Sharks.
1: Yeah, since the last podcast, they got that second win against the Oilers and it came on back-to-back games. And since they have gone back-to-back wins, they've stunked it up. With their minus 51 goal differential, and we're just halfway through November. The, the, the worst team in NHL history was the Washington Capitals in 1975. That was the year they joined the NHL. Their record was 8 67 and 5. I'm not saying the Sharks are going to be that bad, but if you go to champs or chump.us, it shows the worst 50 NHL teams in history. And right now, based off of winning percentage, it has the 2024 Sharks as the second worst team in NHL history behind those Washington Capitals from 1975. And this has live updates throughout the season. So it's constantly updating after each game. And I just take that in for a second. The San Jose Sharks right now are second worst in NHL history in terms of their winning percentage. So we're watching one of the worst teams that ever lived. Now I know, it probably it might not stay like this for the entire season. I wouldn't think, but that's just how bad the San Jose Sharks truly are. They're they're a shit show.
0: Yeah, and they deserved to beat Edmonton. They didn't deserve to beat Philly. Philly outshot them two to one, and Mackenzie Blackwood stood on his head. And mm-hmm. that's the Mackenzie Blackwood I used to defend with the New <laughs> Jersey Devils because when he is healthy, he can be a pretty good goalie. I've seen it. I mm-hmm. I just I'm telling you what my eyeballs have showed me. Shit, I I I would sign, I would trade, I would trade to get Blackwood back right now. Really? Uh, oh yeah, Schmidt and Vanacek mm. have been awful. They've been terrible. They're like in the bottom ten percentile in terms of those types of bad goals and stuff. Like they, they're bad. Um, freaking Kyle Connor scored a goal from a hundred feet away yesterday. Like, yeah, Blackwood's been good. He was the first star in both of the games they won, and you know, the sharks played like dog crap in front of them. And the one game, the one game they had a point in early in the season when Colorado beat him in a shootout, he had like 50 saves on 51 shots. Or is it's like, he set like a San Jose sharks record. Um, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say the future's grim for San Jose cause I do like their prospect farm. It's just going to take a while and they're in full rebuild mode. And, They're as bad as advertised. I do think they will be the worst team in the league with the best odds of winning the draft lottery by the time it's all said and done. Um, Does that mean they'll get Macklin Celebrini or Cole Iserman? No, but they're giving themselves a better chance. So we'll see what happens with them. Yesterday, they put up a good fight against um, Florida. They were up two to one or they were. Yeah, they were up two to one. No, they were tied one to one. And then Sam Reinhardt scored his 12th of the season to give yeah. the Panthers a 2-1 a two to one lead. And then San Jose ended up with a 3-2 lead. And Florida needed a, a comeback late in the third to get it done. So, you know, credit to Florida for extending their five-game winning streak. And I, I think they're, like, all the way back after the 0-3 start. But, you know, the San Jose Sharks, they play teams well. And the fact that they've played some teams well and won games that, You know, they gave up 50 shots or whatever, like they did to Philly and they got a point from Colorado. That's what makes me think they won't break Washington's record for the worst team of all time, because the NHL just isn't really designed for a team to be that bad anymore. It's really not even designed for a team to be as good as the Bruins were last year. That's why it took all those years for it to happen. Um... I just i I don't think they're that bad, but they're bad. They're really bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but they're fun to watch. I do think they're fun to watch because their fans are obsessed with them getting wins. When they score, <laughs> most people go ballistic. I'm like, Northern California is a vibe, man. Get me to a San Jose Sharks game
1: in the Shark Tank.
0: Yeah, well, the Shark Tank is top ten in my bucket list of NHL rinks. I want to see them all.
1: So but I. like, if
0: I got to like rank rank them by my their importance to me or my priority with them, they would be in the top 10. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just like the way the shark thing, like when they go on the power play, ba-na, 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 who would be last uh-huh. on your list? Um, No one would be last because of any reason. Would
1: it be the coyotes just because it's just a college ring? No, game? they'd
0: be near the top for that reason. Wow. Yeah. Um, see, for me, like
1: that, that would be near the bottom on my list. I could go to a Arizona college hockey game, go see it.
0: That's true. I, I just, I want to, I would like to see an NHL game in that, like that much of a. What's the word I'm looking for? Atmosphere. That, that type of atmosphere, like a college atmosphere, but it's a game that is worth two NHL points. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is interesting. Um, you'd probably be shocked at what number one would be. If I could just hop in a portal right now and end up at this rink right now, so I could see a game there, it'd be Montreal,
1: That's the Bell Center. Shot.
0: Because I've heard, I actually I haven't been there, obviously. But you know how when you go to the United Center, like you get to the three hundred level and the stairs are so steep mm-hmm. because like they kind of just go straight up. Mm-hmm. But in the lower bowls, they're not as steep. You kind of yeah, it you it's like more like this yeah, the Bell Center is all like the 300 level at the United center. (laughs) So all the fans are kind of like just on top of the players. Yeah. And it's, and so that is so interesting to me. And the fact that it's that like close knit to the, like you're that on top of the ice, it's gotta Mm -hmm. be cool to play there. And looking up at the fans being like in that kind of a design, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really cool. So yeah, the bell center. Uh, I also feel like hockey Hockey and the NHL were invented in Toronto and Montreal, so those are probably the two top ones on my whole list. But, man, boy, do I love hockey. It's all right. It's all right. You know what else I love? Not quite as much, but close. Mm. Other sports, which we will talk about in period number three. Frank, welcome to period number three.
1: Football. Football.
0: I love football, too. I really do. I really do love football. I'm watching that game on Monday night, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. How
1: about tomorrow night's game? Oh,
0: my God, am I excited for tomorrow night's game. You have no idea, Frank. I'm. Uh, that's probably the matchup I'm looking forward to the most of any game I've watched so far this season. Uh, it was close with the weekend's game between the Jaguars and the 49ers. But then it became a shit show, and the 49ers, you know, they needed to win, and the Jaguars probably needed to lose. And it happened in a big way, so it wasn't all that fun. I don't think that's happening tomorrow. And I think when we give our lists here in a couple seconds, both of those teams are going to be on it rather near the top. So I'm pumped. Should be good. Um, Even though they they both lost. Both what teams are going to be on it near the top? The teams that play tomorrow. Uh Uh-oh. You left one of them off, eh? No. Oh.
1: Near the top. Um, Oh.
0: We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Well, Frank, it's after an even week, so we are going to give our top 10 NFL teams according to us. I'll let you kick it off at number 10.
1: My number 10 is a team I've never featured on my list before. Same. Um, but I, but I like what what they're selling, so I'm going the Cleveland Browns.
0: <laughs> you are a major asshole.
1: <laughs> you really
0: are dumb. What? Oh my god, I've been trying to tell you about the Browns for. A I year. like
1: what they're selling. <laughs> I'm slowly. They're changing. not gonna make playoffs. They I'm might slowly, not now. But. Listen, I I'm slowly ch- per- changing my perception of them. The win against the Ravens that was huge, and they have re- they have a real chance of winning the division for the first time since 1989. I wouldn't bank on them doing so, but their big wins lately have kept them in the hunt. Um, it would be crazy to see how this team was doing if how this team was doing if they had a healthy Chub. They aren't playing well enough right now to win a Super Bowl because of the ups and downs that Watson's been facing. Frankie
0: loves a healthy Chub,
1: but. Uh, but if he, but if Watson could be more consistent, you know, they have a great defense to back up their potentially potent offense. So I'm oh, so you that. don't know. Oh, no. You don't know? I guess I don't know. If who could have a healthy or a consistent? Is Watson gone? Is he injured?
0: I put him at 10 for this reason. I had him at five. Oh no! I had him at five. I don't know. Deshaun Watson is out for the season with shoulder. So Get him
1: over. on my fifteen. Get him out of my top ten.
0: You're they're locked into your top ten. You got to oh, leave them now. Yeah. I had him at five this morning, and I switched. Ah.
1: Uh,
0: I bumped him down to ten. I have him at ten as well. Well, you could finish your explanation, but yeah,
1: that I was it. I couldn't let it. you
0: go. I couldn't let you go further without telling you that.
1: Oh no. Deshaun Watson
0: is out for the season.
1: What a bum. He's a he, bum.
0: He is um
1: what what's the injury?
0: Shoulder surgery.
1: Fake fake injury.
0: He hurt his shoulder in the second quarter in their last game, and um he played that with that and a high ankle sprain. So
1: well, there's my ten for you, VP.
0: Tough year for
1: starting quarterbacks. Yeah, tough year for everybody, really.
0: Aaron Rodgers, Achilles, which can't wait till he plays. Um, you tell me I'm on glue. He'll be back with the team full-time by the end of November, and he will start mid-December, as long as they're in the mix. Can't out of
1: here.
0: Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson. A lot of starting quarterbacks gone down. Um, but yeah, Deshaun Watson, he will miss the rest of the season. I have the Browns at 10 it's too. Tough. And Here's it's the tough. thing. Here's the thing. I don't think Deshaun Watson has played all that well. So when I got the news, I took him off of five, right? I had him at five and I was like, because they beat the Ravens and like, you know, they were both, No, they were number one on both of our lists last week. And I, I was know. like, okay, those were one on my list last week. Oh, then you had the Ravens two, then probably three, three. Okay, you had them in the top, near the top, and the Browns got a big comeback win against them. I thought they were worthy of a top ten spot. They were the first, I haven't had them on my list yet this week, although I almost put them on in preseason, um, because I I love their defense, and I don't think Deshaun Watson has played all that well.
1: Oh, I've been inconsistent.
0: I don't think that they are. Um, six and three because of Deshaun Watson, they've scored 214 points, but they only have a hundred or they've only given up 170 points, which is one of the best marks in the uh, AFC. Only the Ravens and Chiefs have given up fewer points than the Browns in the AFC, and I think if whoever comes in, if they can figure out who their Josh Dobbs is they can go on a, a streak here where they end up making playoffs. I don't think they can win a Super Bowl without a like a star quarterback or at least a guy who you would expect to be a starter. Mm-hmm. But you know, cuz I think they could win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. Oh yeah. As long as their defense plays well. But their defense is otherworldly and I think it could only get better as the season goes along. So I have the Browns at 10. But sucks on the quarterback news.
1: Oh no, yeah. Well I guess it's smart pick by me, then. Yeah, (laughs) because you put him down, too.
0: He's also a piece of shit, though, so I'm really not all that bad. It's a fake
1: injury, I'm telling you.
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't think so. But um, at number nine, I have the Minnesota Vikings. I just brought up Josh Dobbs. They're on my list for the first time this year. Um, They've won five in a row, which is the longest streak in the NFL. Kirk Cousins goes down. You think they're toast? Uh, Wrong. They put in Josh Dobbs. He does exactly what he needs to do and they're firing on all cylinders right now and you know the team ahead of them in the division is probably in your top 10 as well they're in mine they're pretty near the top of mine but lo and behold they only have one more win than the Minnesota Vikings which is just absolutely crazy and the Vikings they've been a decent franchise over the last 5 or 6 years they just have they haven't won the Super Bowl they haven't made it to an NFC championship but only one team wins the Super Bowl only four teams make the championship Sunday so like you know they got beat by better teams. They did. Did they win a playoff game last year? No, I don't think they did. They didn't. And you know last year they had a lot of lucky wins, right? They were 11 and 0 in three point games. That's just unheard of type of business. But with Dobbs coming in and winning too without Cousins, um, I think they find ways to win. They're not good wins. They're like sloppy wins. I think if Jameis Winston starts this game against the Vikings last week and not Derek Carr. Um, they probably, the saints probably beat them because when, when Winston came in, it's like the saints offense was, you know, given this major spark. And I'm like, man, does Derek Carr really stink that much? Cause Jameis Winston looks amazing here. And that's the way it is. It's the way it's mm-hmm. been, uh, Vikings at nine though.
1: I like that pick. Josh Dobbs has been really good. I like the way they've been playing my number nine. I got the Cincinnati Bengals. I felt like the way. The Texans have been playing. It didn't feel right to punish the Bengals for losing to them because the Texans, CJ Stroud, the whole team's been really good. But, I mean, this is a game you got to win for the Bengals because of how poorly they started out the season. So that was a big loss they took at home. But it wasn't worthy enough to bounce the Bengals out of my top ten. I know how great the Bengals are. Bengals were playing in overdrive. They came into that game winning four games in a row. The Bengals' biggest test will obviously come tomorrow night against their division rival, the Baltimore Ravens. And a loss to the Ravens would just be a major setback for the Bengals because then you're 5-5. Five and five. Then it's like all right, we might be out of it then at this point. Um, the margin for error right now is very, very slim for them. They got to be careful, VP. You give me that look, but I don't know. 5-5, five and five, they, they're toast, I think, if they lose to the Ravens. Um, And hopefully Higgins can get back into the lineup sooner rather than later because Burrow needs as many weapons out there on offense as possible. A healthy Burrow and a healthy receivers is deadly recipe for the Cincinnati Bengals. But right now I got them at number nine. Uh, My number eight is the Dallas Cowboys. I almost feel like the Dallas Cowboys are the NFC version of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, guessed it. They lost on the road to the Eagles, which is nothing to blame the Cowboys for. Everyone's losing to the Eagles. But then you come home and destroy the Giants. This team needs to get good on the road. A home playoff game is not guaranteed right now because of their poor per road performance. They're 6-3 and three this year. All three of their losses came on the road. They play the Panthers on the road this week. And I swear to God, if they go on the road and lose to the Carolina Panthers, they will... They will be out of my top 10 regardless of what they do the week after uh, when they're home against the Commanders. I'm tired of this Cowboys team. If you're telling me you can't go on the road and beat the Carolina Panthers, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. You don't deserve to win a Super Bowl. Something needs to to be changed then in that case scenario. But for right now, I'll keep them at eight. Actually, I think they were nine last week. I might have bumped them up one, but they're at eight this week. Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I booted them. See you, Dallas. At number eight. Um, I put the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have every team from the AFC North in my top 10. I think the division is that good. Either the Steelers or the Browns or both are going to get booted at some point, I think, um, because, you know, they're going to play each other late in the year. And, you know, that's kind of happening tomorrow with the game between the Ravens and the Bengals. Like they have to play each other at some point because they're division Mm -hmm. rivals and one of them is going to lose, um, which I'll tell you my theory on the Bengals in a couple minutes. But, yeah, I put the Steelers uh, at eight because although their offense is stagnant, I think if they had, like, a a well-humming offense, they'd probably be in the top five. That's how high I think of their defense. They've just been otherworldly defensively, and I think – you know, it's the Steelers, man. They're one of the best, well, well-rounded franchise in the NFL. I like what they do with some of the weapons that the offense has been getting better. I do think Kenny Pickett is more of the problem than Matt Canada. I really do. I know a lot of Steelers fire Canada. They chanted at Penguins games and stuff. But the overall makeup of the Steelers to me is a team that continues to win. And, you know, sometimes that matters, right? I know that's not the end all be all, but they're six and three. They've given up 182 points which, you know, every team in the division has given up fewer than 200. And you look at the rest of the AFC and most teams have given up 200. So I don't know. I think the Steelers, they're right there. They are four and two at ho- home and two and one on the road. They've won two in a row, though, and they've looked decent while doing it. The The, the thing I like about the Steelers, they kind of win playoff style football games. They don't go out there and beat you by 20 and you never know what they're going to look like facing adversity. I know what the Steelers are going to look like when they face adversity, so that's why I have them at number eight. At number seven, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars were in my top five for the last handful of weeks, but they played the San Francisco 49ers, a team who's probably on par with them in terms of a roster, and uh, San Francisco's probably got a better roster, but Jacksonville has the better quarterback. I think um, they they still deserve to be like you know in the top 10 obviously but they're one of the best teams in the AFC but they still have to prove that they can beat one of those top teams they beat the Bills in London um we'll see what they do against the Bengals and Ravens later in the season but as of right now it's looking like one of those teams that like they'll be in the playoffs they'll make you think they're a Super Bowl contender will they actually be one though i don't know um but so i have them at 7 Trevor Lawrence's statistics don't look amazing, but when you watch the games, you can see the little things he does that he'll, he's just trying to win. He's not trying to have 300 yards a game with four touchdowns and no picks. He's trying to win. He trap, you know, the way he passes it off to ETN and all that. And, you know, I love Christian Kirk's game and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's been fun to watch. So, you know, credit to the Jaguars. I like cheering them on and all power to them. Number seven.
1: My number seven is your number seven as well. I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sad to see the Jaguars take a complete shit at home against the 49ers last week because what a big win that would have been to add to their resume. Um, But they got some pretty important games coming up against the Bengals, Texans, Titans. Texans right now are right on the Jaguars' heels. They're playing amazing, like I said with C.J. Stroud. Trevor Lawrence just couldn't get anything going last week. ETN couldn't go couldn't get anything going this past week against the 49ers your best players just can't go unseen in big games like this which is why i felt like i had to drop them out of my top five just slightly i mean everyone and everyone around and that we're talking about in the rankings had pretty decent weight weeks so it was like i the only thing i felt like i had to do was just drop them a little bit i still think they're a top uh, contending team in the nfl right now um, hopefully they rebound. I think they will, and, and that that's just a tough game to play against the 49ers. You know, are the 49ers really gonna lose four in a row? It's tough to play them when they're on that kind of a streak, but nonetheless, they did end up losing and they sit seventh on my list. Sixth on my list is the Miami Dolphins. I, I really had to sit back and reevaluate the Miami Dolphins a little bit. They were two on my list last week, kind of been giving them the benefit of the doubt, but they truly have the firepower and the weapons to beat just about every, anyone, but they just can't beat top teams in the NFL. I mean, at this point, we're at going into week 11. I had to sit back and really evaluate them, and I said, all right, I have to. right, they're not a top-five team right now, in my opinion. I mean, they're mopping up against teams that just don't have winning records. They had a chance to cap off a miraculous 21-point comeback to the Chiefs in Germany. The Chiefs didn't even have home field advantage, and you still couldn't get into the groove early on in the game. I mean, come the playoffs, you only play elite teams. You're not playing teams under 500. This could spell trouble for the Miami Dolphins come January, unless something changes in the next seven or so weeks. But right now, as much as I love this offense and I want to have them higher on my list, I just couldn't. And I found them out of my top five, so I put them at six.
0: There you go. At number six, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I didn't love that they lost. Um, You're going to lose, and when you start one and three, a Week 10 loss is going to obviously look worse than it actually is. Um, I won't bump them out of the top ten if they barely lose to the Ravens. Like if if it's a field goal game winner for the Ravens or, you know, they lose by three, I'm not going to – I'll bump them down from six because I'm going to have to. But I still think of all the teams that are kind of hovering – a lot of the AFCs hovering around 500, and then you have the Ravens just and uh, Chiefs ahead of everybody in terms of record. And the rest of the teams are all six and three or five and four or five and five. You know, there's a lot of that going around in the AFC, and I think that's because the, the conference is so much more – um, even, and that's why this is a power rankings, not a record rankings. Mm-hmm. It's who you think would beat who, as we stand right now, I think the Bengals would beat a lot of the teams that I have ahead of them in a playoff game. Like if the Bengals played the Steelers, I think I would take the Bengals in a playoff game right now. Like with the way I know about things right now, mm-hmm. And so if they lose a game to the Ravens, a team, spoiler, I have ahead of the Bengals on this list. Um, I, I, I'm not going to bump them down all that much. Similarly, I only bumped the Jaguars down two spots because they got throttled by the um, 49ers. It'd be a very similar situation for me with the Bengals. Um, if they get blown out by the Ravens and I see that they have no chance against any of the elite teams in the once the playoffs come around, th- then they're freaking see ya. But if it's like a close loss and they're five and five because of a, you know, a tough start to the season, then a close, hard-fought battle against Lamar, I I'm not going to punish them too much. But as of right now, I have them sitting at number six. Joe Burrow is the real deal. And again, missing some weapons on offense last week. You know, who knows how the game looks if those guys all play. We'll see what happens with their game tomorrow on short notice. But you know, that's where I have them at number six. At number five. A <laughs> <laughs> Happy Detroit Lions week to Chicago Bears fans. I have them ranked at number five. The Detroit Lions are. One of the best teams in the NFL. I know people don't want to hear it. They are nine and a half point favorites. Oh, good God. Against the Chicago Bears this week, Justin Fields is going to be back playing against them. Listen, they say it on the Pat McAfee show just about every day. It is not the same old Lions. This is the brand new Lions. Lions. If they lose to the Bears, I will off them out of my top five (laughs) quicker than you could possibly imagine because they don't really have the benefit of the doubt from me in that instance. If they get smoked by Justin Fields and the nasty Chicago Bears, then they're out of here. But as of right now, I've loved everything they've done. What are they, seven and two?
1: Yeah, I
0: mean, they're just unreal right now. They are looking like a team like, you know, they're probably not going to get the number one seed barring a collapse by the Eagles. But you know, they'll host a playoff game. They'll be the number two seed. They'll get whatever shit team is the seventh seed in, the, you know, the first round and they'll probably blow. Like who would that even be right now? Who would?
1: Seed?
0: Yeah. It would probably be the Seahawks. Seahawks. No. Oh no. The saints are going to host the game. Yeah. It would probably it be, the be the Seahawks. Tubs, like, yeah, I think the lions would destroy them. I think they would annihilate them. And Or if it's the Vikings. You know, a team like that, if it's the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, um, you know, if the Buccaneers pull a rabbit out of their hat, like it'll be a team like that, that, you know, plays against the Lions in the first round. And I just really, I don't see anybody going into Ford Field and taking care of business against them in that situation. The Lions are three and one at home and four and one on the road. So it's been a little bit of, you know, here and there for them. I just. I can't. I some. I have a hard time looking past the fact that it's the Lions, but I, you know, I, I don't want to be like how you've been with the Browns. You know, <laughs> like I, I'm not going to allow myself to consider them the yeah. NFC Browns. They've won a lot of games. They they pound the ball. Uh, David Montgomery, when he's healthy, has been awesome. Their defense is pretty good. Their point differential works in their favor, and you know they've won two in a row, which winning two in a row is a lot harder than you think in the NFL. Only one, two teams in the NFC have won more than two games in a row right now. In fact, nobody else has won more than one in a row except for Detroit. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. Nobody has won more than one in a row in the NFC except for Detroit, the Vikings, and the Eagles. (laughs) So you know, (laughs) the fact that they're coming in to play the Bears, they're probably going to win by 30. I would take plus nine and a half. I would probably take a I mean, that's a college football line between a good team and like an average team. I would probably take a line involving like a good team and a shit team in college. Give me the Lions plus twenty one and a half or minus twenty one and a half. I'm being dead serious. I think they're going to blow the brains off the Bears and, you know, credit to them. Credit to them. They built their team the right way. And Jared Goff has looked the part, so, and he's been to a Super Bowl, so there's no reason to think that they would lose because of him.
1: That is your number five, right? That is my number five. My number five
0: is heee! <laughs> <A-wing, laughs> the a-way, Detroit a-way. Lions,
1: who are tied for the second-best record in the NFL. They have the second-best record in the NFC, um, and they're scoring a lot of points, too, while they're at it. The remaining schedule that they have is on the fairly easier side of things with a lot of division games coming up. However, the easy schedule can help them on our power rankings. Montgomery is healthy. We haven't talked about that. He came back. He looked like he didn't miss a beat. And now you got a healthy Montgomery. You got a healthy Gibbs. That's a scary running game they have going on. And then they proved they could throw the ball through the air a ton. They did that against the Chargers. There aren't many teams I could see uh, taking down the Lions at this point. Every team I have listed below them, I think the Lions could beat. Um, so I just like the way they've been playing lately. I thought five would be a good spot for the Lions. Um, yeah, so I got the Lions at number five. Number four, VP. I bumped up the San Francisco 49ers to four from seven. I had them at seven last week. But that was a big win. The 49ers were slowly slipping into irrelevancy as they were on the verge of getting their fourth straight loss handed to them. I mean, if you lose four in a row, it's like, what are we doing? Like, are we really that powerhouse? Like, how many teams, if any, have lost four in a row during the regular season and then went on to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. I know teams have done it for three, but four in a row? I I see at that point. I don't know. Um. But before things got too out of hand, they traveled to Jacksonville and absolutely destroyed the Jaguars, 34-3. to There were questions surrounding the 49ers defense in recent weeks. That was one of their biggest you know, aspects of their team. They have a great defense, but we really didn't see that in the past three to four weeks. But they made a massive statement by holding one of the best teams in the league to three points. I mean, just when all hope seemed to be lost for the 49ers, they make a massive statement that you just can't look away from, like we beat the Jaguars by 31 on the road and I still have a lot of faith in the Jaguars. So for me, that was a huge, huge win for them. Um, especially the way they were playing. So I felt the need to bump them up three spots and they're number four on my list. There you go. One thing I forgot to mention when talking about the Jags, they absolutely stink
0: at home. <laughs> like I'm honestly they like
1: just moved to London.
0: Yeah. They are two and three at home and four and zero oh on the road. So <laughs>
1: that's crazy.
0: And One of the they're one and three in Jacksonville, the two and three. One of those wins was a road win in London.
1: That's crazy. Um,
0: Yeah, it's absolutely banana land. So credit to the uh, 49ers, though, at number four and the home of the Chiefs, (laughs) the Kansas City Chiefs. I have them at number four. Everyone talks their shit about the Chiefs. They're the new Patriots. Everyone hates them. They're too good. This and that. When they go through a little bit of a lull, the Chiefs are dead. I remember hearing Tom Brady's done. Tom Brady was never done. He could have came back and won another Super Bowl if he wanted to. If I were him, I'd sign with the Browns right now. Um, <laughs> God, that would be awesome. I don't think I'd stop smiling for a week. Tom That's Brady goes to happen, the Browns. It's not going to happen, yeah. but god that would be awesome that would be truly
1: truly pretty cool
0: i i probably wouldn't sleep tonight i probably would stay up all night playing madden um (laughs) the chiefs though they they have the new tom brady patrick mahomes is unreal um he makes your local walmart cashiers look like great receivers uh they've kind of struggled on offense at times this year the fact that patrick mahomes is there though and the chiefs have yielded the least amount of points of any team in the AFC and it's not close. Yeah, their offense, they still have scored 208 points, which, you know, it's not in the top five in the AFC, but it's certainly not a bad total to have. And the fact that they have the best defense in the AFC is just a testament to how much of an effort they've put into surrounding Patrick Mahomes with the entire complete team that they've needed. And man, it's been a ton of fun to watch. So I am looking forward to seeing what they're able to do once the postseason comes around. But anybody who's worrying about the Kansas City Chiefs right now, let me tell you, I don't think so. I think I probably would not be shocked at all if they won the Super Bowl again. I mean, this just feels like one of those years like the Patriots used to have where they kind of like stumble. Okay, oh, regular season. Oh, week 10. Oh, oh, (laughs) we got the Broncos. Oh, the Dolphins in Germany. Oh, no, we really got to take that flight. That sucks. Wake me up when the playoffs start um okay yeah they're at number four i think they're one of the best teams in the league um they probably could use a weapon or two in the off season um but outside of that i'm not sure that anybody has anything bad to say about the chiefs and number three i have the san francisco 49ers like you i had them pretty low last week and i loved their win against the jacksonville jaguars they went on the road and stomped a really good team um they held one of the best running backs in the nfl down they held one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl down um Their defense was very, very good against this good offense. And the Jaguars' defense is very, very good, too. They led the NFL in takeaways going into this game, and Brock Purdy protected the ball perfectly fine. Um, They were able to get this win. It was their first game with Chase Young after acquiring him in the deadline and then going into the bye. I know it feels like a long time ago that they made that transaction, but they made it. A week went by, bye. Then another week went by game. So it makes sense why it's felt so long Mm -hmm. ago, and it's his first game. But – You know, there was like a 20 day, not 20, there was like a 14 day gap between the trade and their next game. But, you know, they're really, really good. They're built for success. And if Brock Purdy could play well in the playoffs, I think they're absolutely a team from the NFC that could go to the Super Bowl. And there are only three teams in the NFC that I truly believe could and will go to the Super Bowl. They are one of them.
1: Very interesting. My number three is the Baltimore Ravens. I'm keeping them at three. The Ravens lost a tough matchup to their division rivals. They had a 14-point lead three times and a 15-point lead once and still ended up losing the game. That's rough. If the Ravens want to be as dominant as people think they are, they can't lose games like that, especially to a division rival. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because division games are always tougher, and Lamar Jackson is still playing at an MVP caliber level, but tomorrow's game against the Bengals, that's going to be cinema. So, I mean, there's really not much more to say for the Baltimore Ravens. I I know how good they are, but that loss was a little iffy, and I'm not going to penalize them right now for it. I kind of want to see the takeaways for tomorrow's game and reevaluate the Ravens in a couple weeks. So that's what I'm going to do. At number two, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. They made it all the way up to two. They've been hesitant right in the middle of my list, moving up down six, to four, to three. They're at two right now. The Chiefs beat the Dolphins, so I have to continue to move move the Chiefs up higher and higher um, and lower the Dolphins like I did. I mean, the Chiefs have been slowly climbing up the power rankings, but still it just doesn't seem to be the powerhouse they've been in years past. It's weird saying that about a team that's seven and two, but something is off about this team at the moment still as they almost blew a 20-point lead to the Dolphins. Like, something something the past Chiefs teams wouldn't do with Mahomes, would like, that would never happen. Old Patrick Mahomes Chiefs teams would never even come close to blowing a 21-point lead to the Dolphins. There's just something about this team that just seems off. And I think we might not see what that is during the regular season, but I think come the playoffs, like, I don't think this team's going to win the Super Bowl. And if they do, then it's their plan all along, trying to disguise that. We're not going to burn ourselves out during the year, and they're just going to shove it in our face when he makes it to the Super Bowl and they win it all. But to me, just something seems off about this team. I, I don't know what it is. I don't see them winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, but nonetheless, they just keep climbing higher and higher, and they find themselves on number two on my power ranking.
0: Very fair. Very fair. Um, at number two, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles, they are winning games in different ways than they did last year. Last year, they just dominated everyone. And I think I've said that before on the show already. And this week, this year, they're like finding like real ways to win. It's almost like they're preparing themselves for the playoffs. I think they're going to be well-prepared. Um, the tush push, Jason Kelsey, all the stuff that has been popular in terms of the Philadelphia Eagles over the last, you know, handful of months as we've gone into the season are working you know they have one of the best offensive lines in the nfl jalen hurts is incredible i love their weapons led by aj brown one of the best receivers in the nfl their defense is great and this week it's the battle of the kelsey brothers on monday night football i mean that that's arguably just as good as tomorrow night's game Mm -hmm. you can argue it's better Because not not only is it the Kelsey brothers, you got the Taylor Swift story. You got the Super Bowl rematch story. There's all sorts of outstanding highlights that come with this, you know, game that we're going to get on Monday night. I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. Um, And then at number one, I have the Baltimore Ravens. I've seen nothing to, you know, conclude that they're not still the best team in the league. The Browns made a nice comeback win and got them. You know, every team's going to lose in the regular season. I have the Browns in my top 10 for a reason. I've been high on the Browns for a long time. And a team like the Ravens are going to lose to a team like the Browns every now and again when their defense is that good. If I were Baltimore, I would hope that a team like the Browns and the Chiefs get bounced before they play me, because I do think the one thing that could stop the Ravens in the playoffs are one of these super elite, um, you know, one of these super elite, teams on defense, these teams that know Lamar well, but I don't know. I think, I think when push comes to shove, their offense is better than most of the teams in the league and Lamar's just been otherworldly. He probably wins the MVP by the time it's all said and done, as long as he stays healthy down the stretch here. But um, yeah, I really like what the Ravens are doing and they should be able to compete for the Super Bowl once the playoffs come around.
1: I like that pick. I like that pick. I like uh, that you're high up on the Ravens because I, I say this all the time that they're one of my true contenders to win the Super Bowl preseason. So, I mean, so far, so good with the Ravens. I mean, as a Steelers fan, I'm not the, the biggest Ravens fan, but um, they're a good team, and Lamar Jackson's playing unreal right now. So my number one for the second power ranking in a row is the Philadelphia Eagles. There's no change here. The Eagles – to, to continue to find ways to win. And it's because of their small game wins that I talked about a couple weeks ago, their ability to get those two yards on fourth and two that other teams can't complete at such a high rate as the Eagles do puts them on top of the kingdom. Once again, it's like they're in a different tier because of that, because I mean, they're basically always playing in four down territory because by the time it gets to fourth down, it's fourth and one easy to complete There's a reason they've only lost once this year. It's because of how good they are in the small games. Um, They also had a bye two. So we only had one week to judge them on with this power ranking. Um, And that was in the week that they won was a week they beat another top 10 in my power ranking, the Cowboys. I mean, that's not saying much. I mean, everybody should beat the Cowboys if you're home. But um, there, there really wasn't much change here for the Eagles Judging them on one week is hard because they had the bye, but no change for them. I, I think they're a wagon. I think they're going to make it back to the Super Bowl. And yeah, the Eagles, man. Jalen Hurts is playing great. Team's playing great. AJ Brown, MVP candidate potentially. I mean, this this team is this team's very good. VP. So there you go. That's that's uh that's my power ranking for you.
0: There you go. Very much looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Do you think by week? 18, when we're done, Um. they are similar,
1: our lists? Um. Yeah, they'll be a little similar. It won't be identical. We'll have the same 10, like guaranteed, I think. Really? Yeah.
0: I think so, too.
1: The I order do. will be a little different, but for the most part, we'll definitely have the same 10.
0: If not the same 10, nine out of the same 10. Like we might 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: I feel um, like we mid- always
1: have nine out of 10.
0: Well, who'd you leave off notably this week?
1: Uh, the Bills. Shocker. I couldn't. I couldn't. I'm not a homer. I mean, I got to use my brain. Yeah. Um, I think we had the same 10.
0: No. I don't have the Cowboys or the Dolphins.
1: Oh, so we had eight out of 10.
0: Yeah. And you didn't have the Vikings or the Steelers yeah yeah
1: but it's never crazy i mean no
0: but like i don't think the two you have in the cowboys and dolphins are they probably would be 11 and i want right? to get
1: the cowboys off my list so bad i just oh I, you
0: have you have the seahawks too though right no oh no you did leave the sea the seahawks cowboys and dolphins and bills would be like my honorable mentions. Those are probably 11 and 14 through 14.
1: And yeah, now the bill's got a new offensive coordinator. So
0: yeah. You know, the guy that eh, got fired was the one who like did all the smashing in the booth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you remember all that? Mm-hmm. All right, Frank, we move on. Uh The Chicago bears. They stink anything on them real quick. Other than uh, their win over the Panthers was, I, I mean,
1: they did what they needed to do. Yeah. They right? stunk, but. They barely beat the Panthers, but they that helped them still have the best chance to get the number one pick. Um, The uh, Arizona Cardinals got Kyler Murray back, so them winning was nice. That'll help the Bears and the the standings a little bit. I mean, now this week the Bears visit Detroit, so get ready for an embarrassment, and the Bears could go back to being the Bears for the remainder of the season.
0: Yep, I hope they lose every game here out. If the season ends today, they'd have pick one and five. I have a theory. Maybe take Marvin Harrison Jr. number one. Wow. And last, no, actually, no, I, I have it backwards. You take a quarterback number one because two, three, and four probably take quarterbacks, not Marvin Harrison Jr. New England takes a quarterback. Um, The Giants take a quarterback. The only team that worries me is Arizona. What? Would they keep Kyler Murray? probably. I don't think they don't want to. They've said they want to move off him, but man, he played good. He's a good player. He was a number one. You add Marvin guy.
1: Harrison to that team.
0: I know. With I know. That's why I know. they might not. I know. I know. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully the bears don't have to worry and they just keep losing and <laughs> like a three win season gets them like third or fourth. And that way the team in between them, maybe, um, is the Patriots or the giants? Like, a team that stinks enough to be in that mix, so we'll see. Um, The college football playoff top four, did you like it?
1: Yes, I did. It's about damn time. Yep. Finally, Ohio State drops from number one. They never deserved to be number one in the first place. Both Georgia and Ohio State won by 35 points this week. The only difference is Ohio State won 38-3 to against 3-7 and Michigan State. Like, yeah, if you're number two in the country, you should win. And Georgia won fifty two seventeen. 17 They won by 35 as well, but they beat Ole Miss, who is ranked number nine. So that's in very that's very impressive. And that just proves that Georgia is still strong, and they have a chance to make history this year, winning the third national championship in a row. And I don't know if there's anybody out there that could beat them, honestly. I really don't. <laughs> it's not Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Georgia's my pick right now.
0: <laughs> Georgia's my pick too. But if
1: if get out of here with Alabama, don't even
0: if eleven and one or whatever the H it would be, Alabama takes on undefeated Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Georgia's
1: gonna and spin the
0: spin Crimson roll. Tide pulls out a win two sec teams in the playoff again oh no alabama they keep coming 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 and people like you always <laughs> find a way to shit on them no matter what alabama i've already i've already shown i think off. niu
1: would have a better chance against and
0: i you, but... NIU stinks they play exactly. Northern Game next year. That's gonna be a huge topic of conversation. But they Alabama is so good. Nick Saban is so smart. He's the best ever at college football. I can't wait to see all these people cry when Alabama finds a way. I, I've seen I've seen enough college football to tell me that they at minimum have a chance. Now them dogs are good. <laughs> if they play against Alabama in the SEC title game and win I think the Dougs are going to win the whole last thing I still I think one of those two wins the whole last thing.
1: You're insane.
0: who's gonna win between Michigan and Ohio State is the Michigan. real question Michigan. you think Michigan
1: Ohio State I, they're, I think they're frauds I think they're frauds why they're quarterback.
0: I'm me too I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you.
1: I can't believe they were one for a second. Like, who on the committee said that was a good idea? They did nothing. They they squeak out wins. Well, the,
0: the committee for a while, they probably viewed the Notre Dame win as big. And they probably viewed the Penn State win as big.
1: Do they not take into consideration how well the quarterback plays?
0: No, they do. They wow. The roster. The roster is what they look at. But like, okay, so far this season, <laughs> they lost in the Peach Bowl, forty-two to forty-one. They could have beat Georgia and they blew it. Um, they beat Indiana twenty-three to three. They beat Youngstown thirty-five to seven. They beat players. WKU sixty-three to ten. Then they beat Notre Dame seventeen to fourteen. It took Notre Dame having ten and men on the field. Again. Yes, they beat Maryland, Purdue. The up they beat Penn State, who's twelve now. Oh, Ohio State's three in the AP poll. <laughs> They're
1: just going to keep going. They're just keep dropping them.
0: They're three in the AP poll and two in the college football playoff. Um, wow. they beat Wisconsin and then Rutgers and Michigan State. They play Minnesota and then Michigan. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> football, <book> college. <laughs> 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 I mean, when you come in, there, we're two hours and 13 minutes into the program right now. The first hour and fifty minutes was all hockey, Literally, hockey and cheese. Like, that's what we talked about for two hours, hockey and cheese. You come in for our 15 minute, 20 minute football segment every time. That's your fault, not mine. Um, but Frank, wrapping up football, um, we're getting into the nitty gritty now with college. It's it's getting to the good times now. I can't wait for yeah. Michigan-Ohio State. 11 a.m. on the 25th, I will be locked in, locked in on
1: Rivalry Week. Um, Frank, it's time for you to go over the Game of the Year noms. I will go over the Game of the Year noms. The nominations, VP, for Game of the Year 2023 are Alan Wake 2, game I mentioned on Frankie's Video Game Corner last week, Baldur's Gate three, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil Resident Evil Four remake, Super Mario Bros Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. BPs get the smirk. He hears Zelda and he smirks. First of all, I look at these six nominations. Great games, each one of these games, great games. Uh, first of all, you can't have a remake win game of the year. That can't happen. Resident Evil 4 remake, it's great that you made it. Great honor to have you. But it it's just, it can't win at it all. It's just one of those unwritten rules. <laughs> I mean, you had your chance when you came out. You're, the remake's not winning. I think it's going to be between Baldur's Gate 3 and Legend of Zelda Tears of the King- Kingdom. I'm leaning towards uh, Tears of the Kingdom right now for one specific reason. Breath of the Wild won Game of the Year in 2017. And people say, and you've played both, maybe you could, you know, elaborate on this a little bit, that Tears of the Kingdom is even better than Breath of the Wild. So that's all I got to say. I think it is. Uh, So if that won Game of the Year, and this is even better, that's all I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, I need to play it more, though. I played Breath of the Wild significantly more. I need to play this one more.
1: Dylan thinks it's Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, well, but he's also a Zelda. He doesn't play Zelda like.
0: Yeah, to have to have like a like I can't have a definitive opinion because I'm not going to poo-poo games I haven't played like he is. You know, just like we're going to go see the Marvels tomorrow, and he already decided that he hates it. (laughs) Hasn't seen a second of it yet. So, but I've seen some good reviews. So, it's going to
1: be okay. It'll be middle of the pack.
0: Yeah, but... I think so too, but we'll see what happens. Um, those are some good games. I hope Zelda wins selfishly, but I think
1: will. I'm not going to bet
0: against games I haven't played. That's
1: true. I'm surprised you you haven't gotten like Super Mario Bros. Wonder. You're a Mario guy.
0: Yeah, I probably will get it eventually. I would like to play it. Joey says Tears is my favorite game of all time. I still play it to this day. I want to get back into playing it again because i i stopped yeah he's talking about tears of the kingdom i need to get back into playing and get on joey's level because joey's a freaking joey's better at zelda than any person i know i think <laughs> this dude is a zelda mastermind um but we'll see i need to get back into it so i'm excited about it now frank i know we were talking a little bit of football a little bit of games a little bit of hockey of course a lot of bit of hockey um I think it's time to get to America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking Pets. Where's my
1: money, bitch?
0: Frank, this is my own private domicile. Bitch!
1: All righty, VP. Still above fifty percent. what we like to see. <laughs> VP says I won't go below fifty percent. He's got the confidence in me.
0: Hell no! You only got six weeks left <laughs> on this 2023 run.
1: Yep, and then we'll restart it. We'll do a 2024
0: run. Then you're going under fifty in 2024. Wow! What just, if I don't? I'm just kidding. No, I probably will, right? Like, you just. Assume. No. I got. Really quick. Did you see the news on who might play Mr. Fantastic in the next Fantastic Four movie?
1: I don't think so. Pedro Pascal. Oh, yeah. The Mandalorian. He's also the main character in The Last of Us. Yes. Yes, he is. Oh, my God. I love yes. him.
0: He's great. All right. Back to breaking bets. Got
1: three picks. Two are for the football game tomorrow. First up, Bengals at Ravens. I like the Ravens minus three at minus 145. Bet to win three units. I really want to take the Bengals plus three and a half points here. But the Ravens are just a really tough team to beat on their home field. And the first game ended um, earlier in the year when they played a three-point victory in favor of the Ravens but that was in Cincinnati this time around. It's in Baltimore with each team kind of going in opposite directions, kind of. I think the Ravens can get it done and cover by a field goal, but worst-case scenario is you get a push if they just win by three, so that's why I like the Ravens minus three. But I don't see them losing this game or winning by less than three, so I'm going to go with the Ravens minus three, uh, minus 145, bet to win three units. The second bet on the game, this is almost like it seems like a must-take, is Gus Edwards to score a touchdown. Two units on that, plus 110. Gus Edwards has been sizzling lately. He's got seven touchdowns in his past four games. The Ravens love to put the ball in his hands when they have the chance to score. They trust him with the ball in those high pressure situations. And with a man who's been scoring touchdowns at will, you can't pass up the opportunity to take him to score, especially the last time they met, he scored they he scored a touchdown in week 2. They trust him, he's been sizzling. You're getting him at plus value if the Bengals score th- or if the Ravens score three touchdowns, which I'm sure they will. I'm assuming Gus Edwards will have a touchdown. I love it. Plus 110. Bet two units on that, and hopefully we'll have ourselves a good Thursday. Leads me to my last pick, which occurs tonight. It's my hockey pick. I was going through the slate of games. There was nothing I really loved. Then I saw something that kind of stuck out, and I'm like, all right, we'll throw, we'll bet to win a unit on it. The Ducks are traveling to the Avalanche to play the Colorado Avalanche. I like the Ducks plus one and a half goals, minus 105. That just to win a unit, if you want to get some your feet wet with a little hockey tonight, um, just gives you something to watch, a little action on the game. I like the way the Anaheim Ducks have been playing late, lately. They've been competitive, and the Colorado Avalanche have been letting in a boatload of goals lately. They've let in 16 goals in their past four games. That's averaging four goals per game. And since the Avalanche are at home, we're going to get a great chance to take the Ducks and the one-and-a-half and still get tremendous value because of how much of a favorite Colorado is. Anaheim comes into this game, however, on a two-game win streak, though, and it appears like they're always up for these bigger games. They gave Vegas their first regulation loss, and this is another big game that the Ducks are in. And don't count them out against another elite team. I could see them keeping this one close. That's what the Ducks do. They're competitive in these types of games. So I like the Ducks plus one and a half at minus 105, bet to win a unit. And those are the three picks we're going to roll with this week. Let's win some money, VP. Money!
0: Here comes the money! Love it, Frank. Absolutely love it. Um, Really, really good stuff. So hopefully you win all your money and people follow you. And if they fade you, I hope they get smashed. Um, Very, very good. What a show.
1: What a show. Very good show. Longer
0: than I expected based on the sheet.
1: Yeah, but we always ramble. We ramble, it's what so we do. it doesn't matter what the sheet is. We just always talk, no matter what. So, yep,
0: I could, I could say I'm convinced we could go no sheet. We should do a That's no. Tough. We should go a no sheet episode.
1: That's tough.
0: Let's do a no sheet episode. We'll do it
1: because then I don't. I'm not prepared with my stats and stuff. I
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see how good of a rambler you are. Oh. I just did the Let's Go Devils podcast pregame show solo yesterday. No sheet.
1: But you at least did some research. No. That's crazy. Off
0: the top of my head. You could go watch it. At Let's I don't know go Devils if I Pod. could do it,
1: to be honest with you. It, I don't was,
0: know. it was a half hour of me just previewing the game off the top of my head. I got to be prepared, man. I mean, it was kind of easy. Like, I just went into it. I'm like. I'm going to do a little portion. I'll start off five minutes on the last game they played. And then five minutes on what they're missing without Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. And then I'll touch on Jesper Bratt and Timo Meyer leading the way without those two. Then I'll get into goaltending and then we'll do predictions. And then a half hour is gone before you know it.
1: Like we could be talking about Alex Vlasova. Yeah. He's playing, playing great for the Hawks. I love the way he's been playing defensively brings a big you know, big, atmosphere into the room brightens the atmosphere whatever but then I, I don't know his career stats offhand i don't know what to say like I get what you're doing, saying. like so, I, I gotta be prepared
0: when we do it it's gonna be funny
1: it's not the we're gonna, are gonna it. hate it
0: we're gonna do it in january we're gonna do no sheet
1: and i'm gonna be stuttering the whole time
0: no sheet show when's episode 150 oh god episode one we're probably a little ways away it'll probably be over the summer right
1: No. Um, This is
0: 137.
1: 14 weeks, so yeah. Yeah. it would be like February. No, I don't know.
0: It'll be a while before we hit 200, though. But we will hit 200. I'm counting.
1: 156 is three years, right?
0: Oh, yeah. That's about right. I'm not good at math, but we shall see it's been a fun ride no matter what i love doing it it's one of my favorite parts about my life is doing this show every wednesday at 2 p.m here on the barroom network crosstown crosstalk is canceled until 11 30 we will resume so make sure you tune in to crosstown crosstalk and make sure you read all frankie shit on apptrigger.com and you know keep keep reading the video game stuff the news is getting good um very much looking forward to see what comes out from that you look like you have something to say
1: no i'm just listening
0: There you go. Well, I hope everybody who was in the chat enjoyed the show, whether you were in the chat or talking online. It has been an absolute pleasure um, doing the show with you guys. So each and every day, make sure you're following at the King Bean on Twitter and at Vinnie Parisi on Twitter. We are tweeting, tweeting, tweeting. I was finally able to unmute Frankie's annoying ass now that Big Brother is over. Congratulations to Jag on winning the whole damn thing. He deserved it. He absolutely deserved it. I don't care. He deserved it.
1: <laughs> he did deserve he it.
0: He deserved it. Nobody People was didn't.
1: gonna n- nobody was gonna lose to him. That's why they had to get him out before this. Like yeah. nobody had a chance.
0: Yes, I agree. And Matt was and great. You
1: thought, you thought Matt had a chance over Jag. You thought no, I, I thought
0: I thought he had sympathy votes. Jag wasn't that great with jury management. He got lucky that you
1: respect th- him.
0: I do respect him. He, if he had a salty jury though, he wouldn't have won. Matt would have. I do believe last year's jury probably votes for Matt. He just, he can't be a salty jury. I wouldn't, I would hate that. But like the way Cameron was like, I hated you. You were the best. I wanted you <laughs> out. I'm voting for you. That to me is what a jury should be like.
1: Yeah. That's how it usually is. It's how it should be. Last, last year year's was jury, little, they last was year was a little weird because it's yeah. not always like that. Taylor was great.
0: I think Monty had just as good of a resume. Turner did too. Yeah. And they freaking didn't. So, shit, Bowie Jane had a good resume, too. You
1: know, you're going to watch Reindeer Games? Big Brother Reindeer Oh, games? yeah. Can't <laughs> wait. Love Christmas. Nice six-episode Christmas yep. version of Big Brother. Yep. And did you hear who's on it? No. Matt and Suri.
0: They are both on it? hmm Let's go. Uh, Who from last year? Anyone? I don't know. That's going to be sick. That's going to be very, very cool.
1: Well... Maybe Matt gets his redemption and you go win this little season.
0: Maybe. That'd be cool. I mean, I'd be happy with it. Yeah. yeah, so That's great. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Make sure you're all following along on social media and all that. Follow the Barroom Network. Huge game between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions this weekend. The Barroom Network is going to be in full fledge. Again, Crosstown Crosstalk will return on 1130, and we will be back next Wednesday for more bar down Talking Hockey on Thanksgiving Eve, Blackout Wednesday. Frankie and I are going to get some drinks together on the show and just have a Thanksgiving hockey extravaganza. Uh, Maybe we'll have multiple guests. Maybe we'll have a little Thanksgiving round treat. Say, give a hockey player or story or team you're thankful for. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, it would actually.
0: Yeah, we'll get something like that together. I'm very much looking forward to it. And as always, I hope everybody has a great rest of your day and week. And thank you for listening. As always, stay hockey, stay golden. And I said it once, but I'll say it again. Thank you for listening.